This is the way. This is the way. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mandatorian Creed. Today we are wrapping up our Book of Boba Fett discussion series with the last two episodes, uh, chapter six from The Desert Comes a Stranger and chapter seven in the name of honor. And I am joined as always by my dear friend Alden Diaz. Hello. How are you, friend? Great. Lovely to have you. Great to be here. Fancy meeting you here in the same spot we've been for can't believe it all these weeks I, it's hard to this you know for a show that you particularly you and Bo- boba diehards dreamed of i mean let alone a show dreamed of any project but literally any anything show, yeah to any, be at the end problems. of it now is pretty crazy the time flies it, it doesn't feel fast. real it hasn't felt real this whole time still doesn't feel real yeah so. like at, at the time of this recording <laughs> like obviously we're doubling up on the last two just for life and schedule reasons, it just made sense for us to do these two together. So at the time of this recording, people listening, we have a lot to cover, but then Lucasfilm not slowing down. They were like, by the way, here's the Kenobi poster. Boom. Like the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. So like, I bet you when Kenobi ends, they'll be like, boom, here's the Andor poster. Like, it just feels like it's so much, but we are not alone. No. Because there is so much to cover, we had to bring in some backup, and we've had a, a great, great series of guests here, Kelly Knox, we had Holly Fry, and today we are joined by one of those motion picture professionals, um, somebody who is a producer, director, an actor, a gamer, YouTuber, um, a jack-of-all-trades in media, and is currently a VFX production coordinator at Weta, made some small movies like, you know, The Lord of the Rings and, and Avatar and things like that. It's uh, Blythe Kala. How are you? Hello, from? everybody. It's so weird that I can say I work at Weta now. I'm still it's not weird. used to it. <laughs> it's it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it's weird in general. But it's a oh. great weird. Well-deserved and super exciting. And there's tons of stuff that we can't discuss on air nope. that you've been up to and stuff that might be coming down the pipe, the pipeline, but it is very exciting. You um, can only share press releases. There are a lot of them, though. So yeah, it's a lot of them. And, and as you as you posted today, so you know if you, if you know about some very tall blue folks, you might have an idea of what's being what's being worked on. And we're not referring to Thrawn. I don't know how tall Thrawn is. Um, not as tall. Pretty as, tall. Yeah, I think he's probably like six foot four. He's got to be like. That's yeah. a good yeah. That's a good estimate for sure. Strapping yeah. lad. Yeah, for sure. But he's not um, as tall as these blue people. No, no, he's not. Uh, in very very different tones and feels. But Thrawn, Thrawn will be later. Thrawn will be later. Hollywood Reporter says Thrawn will be in a, in a different show. He's not in this one, but there is a, a dangerous blue man um, that we will be talking about today. That is also true. Yep. But, Why uh, are there so many blue people? So many. Is blue an intimidating color? I mean, I don't think the blue people I no. work with are. Oh, they could be. No, it's calming, I think. Do you find Max Rebo intimidating? Now that I know that he can't die a little bit, like... <laughs> Max is unkillable. No, someone said, someone said, don't come to work tomorrow. It, yeah, it was Cad Bane. <laughs> Max. Cad Bane yep. called him up. He was like, I like your music. You stay away. Um, I, <laughs> There's a blue people treaty. Like, if you're yeah. blue, you get a call, you don't die. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to attack our own. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but Tori, throwing it back to you, where are you sort of at? Because I feel like there's... There's the conversation about story, and then there's the conversation about this moment in in Star Wars media, where 
much like, you know, I've compared it to two other moments. In 1980, Empire Strikes Back comes out, and it was the first time that an audience had ever seen a sequel that was, like, actually moving the story forward and wasn't just a repeat. Yeah. That shocked a lot of people, and there's a, you can find old Empire reviews that trash it for not even having, were so not having an ending. Oh, my God. Yeah. Things yeah. like that. Then 2008, Kevin Feige and the Marvel team, they spend the next uh, four years training audiences to accept that things are going to move from one thing to the other for better or worse. However, anyone feels about that. They trained audiences to watch a movie like Iron Man 2 and say, eh, I didn't really like that one, but I know it's going to lead to something else. And that it's was all part of the new. bigger picture. Right. Mm -hmm. Star Wars is now training audiences in a third way, which is what if it was serialized things that were shifting in and out. And this is the first time they've tried it. It's been very controversial. And so I'm wondering, you know, you as our leader here, <laughs> after much thought, where are you settling on it now? And I know that's a twofold question because it's an emotional question in, this, in the sense of this is your favorite character show. But then it's also a viewer question in the sense of how are you going to feel about it if it keeps happening? It's a good, those are good questions. Those are great questions. So, and I've said this before, I enjoyed five and six. I love them. I think they're great pieces of Star Wars media for the most part. I don't have a ton of complaints, but it's the time and place like you're talking about. So to me, it still feels a little weird. Um, the time in which they were interjected like into Boba's story. Um, and while I absolutely love the finale, I thought it was really, really good. Um, I couldn't help but feel like if maybe there was a little more time spent with these characters and these people that it might've been maybe a little more impactful, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I like that you brought up the Marvel thing because that's kind of how I've been looking at it as well in a way is just, you know, this is kind of their Marvel team, team up scenario, right? In a, in a way. And um, while I like that, I do, for me anyway, it feels a little fast. It's it feels bad. like, yeah, it just feels like maybe there was not, like, I would prefer to kind of have an, a similar example, Mando season one versus Mando season two, right? I was, we were able to kind of let that character breathe for the first season. Then we kind of brought everyone else in. So I guess for me, I think it might've just hit better for me personally, mm. you know? And as we talked about, I don't, I don't hate these characters that they're bringing in, um, but I always like to see characters that we don't know a lot about. And that's my guess, general summary, I guess, of my feelings. I guess my follow-up to that before we throw it to Blythe with the same topic is, now, it, it had more emotional oomph on you because this is your favorite. Again, if this was the book of Sabine Wren and suddenly there were no Sabine for an episode, I'd be salty too. So I understand. I know that it's all about our perspective. <laughs> um, now, let's say theoretically... And we'll start with Tori and then go to Blythe and then expand on, on Blythe's thoughts. Theoretically, let's say Andor comes out this year mm -hmm. and there are two Andor episodes and one of them is like all Saw Gerrera and Mothma and Bail Organa and then the other one is all someone else. Are you going to, if they keep doing this, do you think that audiences or yourself will get used to it? I don't, here's the thing is I don't think that they're ever going to do that with like Saw Gerrera and Mom Mothma. Like they're not, it just... Again, I don't hate him, but it's just, it feels like, I honestly feel like we're going to see Ahsoka at this point, probably in like everything. It's kind of what it feels like at this point. Um, I definitely feel, and I mean, she fits a lot of the timeline for stuff. Um, so honestly, I think if someone's going to show up in Endor, it's probably it, pff, her. Um, but I wouldn't be opposed to it, again, because I like characters that... I want to, I always want to see more. I want to expand upon these characters. We have a vast, beautiful yeah. universe with all sorts of amazing, diverse mm -hmm. characters. I would love to see more expansion upon that stuff, but I don't, 
I think I would still have the critique of like kind of like where's Cassian if it was like yeah. two whole episodes almost and I want to point yeah. out too I almost view it as one and a half episodes with Mando because I do think that the la- the latter part with Cobb and Cad very very connected to yeah it's very very connected to Boa's yeah. story for me anyway I was like unless Grogu's the next daimyo of Tatooine like why is he the first half of the episode I love him dearly yeah. <laughs> but you know again the time and place thing it kind of throws you for a loop a little bit sure um but yeah I mean I, I think I would still kind of be like oh, it would have been cool if they could work Cassian into that a little more it is a little more about him right right um but maybe I I don't know I don't think it's ridiculous for people to expect the show that's named after the person to like have the person in it most of the time yeah you know and I'm not saying anyone here saying that but no, I do either. think that that was a critique that like we'll just enjoy the story and like I agree but I also don't think it's out of the question for someone to be like well I kind of thought it was going to be this with this name you know yeah. if it is going to be something that is a bit of a bigger thing you know and they are going to go off with saw and mod mothma and stuff which i would love maybe a different name might be better yeah and that's and that's a, a marketing thing too and that's you know much bigger yeah and i don't think that it's you you and i are so tight that i've seen your reaction sort of firsthand and that that mentality i don't think is invalid at all because it is it's a big swing and i think that with any big swings you're going to cause a little bit of that sort of and again it's it's that tension it's it's audience training like i i do wonder and this is all just me postulating so blight i'm gonna throw it to you and i'm gonna give you a different example than andor i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to the force example if they give us this ahsoka show which they're doing and suddenly one of the episodes is all luke skywalker all sabine wren or all ezra bridger are you gonna be like where's ahsoka or do you think that this is something that we should just expect going forward does it bother you to deviate from a title character so i i i'm not a boba fett fan like I never have been. Um, but, and my favorite episodes are chapter five and chapter six. And I still agree with Tori here. Mm-hmm. Like it's a Boba Fett show. And it was the time for Boba Fett. I loved those episodes. I think they're incredible. I think they're super fun. I literally cried during chapter six. Oh, totally. But I still think for seven episodes, you need to spend time with your title character and give him time to grow and learn and be there. And something that I think Mando always did well is like, or even Rebels did this well too. Anytime they were deviating a little bit from the main story, there was still a main character there. Mm-hmm. Like Twin Sons, Ezra is still 100%. there. It's exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah. And I love, I love that episode. It's one of my favorite episodes of Rebels and it has the lead, like so little to do with Rebels, but they use Ezra in a way to get us there. And they use Maul's motivations to get us there. Mm-hmm. So while I love those two episodes, I don't necessarily think they should have been in this show or should have been without Boba in them. And like, I, I, I am fine with things connecting, but something I've always really liked about Star Wars and something I like use a lot to get people into Star Wars is the fact that you can kind of start anywhere. Mm-hmm. I constantly use that to get people into Star Wars. I ask them like, what kind of storytelling do you like? And then I find the thing that fits that best and I introduced them in that way. So like some people, like myself, I started with Rebels and went back to Clone Wars when I was watching the animation because uh, Rebels more linear storytelling works a little better for me than jumping around. Yeah. And then I loved Clone Wars because I loved Rebels and I saw all the connections. And I do that a lot with people when I want to make like get new fans in. So I don't know that interconnecting them like this is a win for Star Wars per se. And maybe they'll keep trying it. And who knows, maybe it'll do what Rebels did where like 
now I need to know everything about Ahsoka. So I'm going to go back and learn everything about Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I think Mandalorian season two did a little better. It told us who Bo-Katan is. It told us who these characters are as they're showing up without deviating from Mando and it connected back to things that you may or may not have seen, yeah. but it gave you just enough to know who they are if you're a first time watcher. So and you're saying more like that. iron it out that you're not opposed to doing this in theory, but iron it out, smooth it. So if we had, this uh, this is not this is not agree or disagree. It's just a theory thing that I've been thinking about. If five and six were exactly the same. Disagree. I'm just kidding. But they both, <laughs> mute, instant mute. <laughs> but if, if, if five and six were the same, but they started with, I don't know, a Boba Rancor training scene, and then the rest of it happened. Do you think it's just about that, quote unquote, Ezra and twin sons? Like you need that, that hook of the of the main thing before you turn off. Um, I think that helps. Yeah. I think that helps a lot. Yeah. I do also think like season three of Rebels has 21, 22 episodes. I think yeah. that is episode 21. Like it has a lot of episodes to kind of give us time to spend with each of the characters and develop it. Those are 30 minutes. So they're a little shorter in a, in a hour long season show. I am kind of a fan of the 10 to 13 because you get a little bit more time with everybody. Yeah. And Andor uh, will be 12. I know we I, we, I don't think we said that up top, but Andor is going to uh-huh. be 12. So that's, that's going to be a different, that'll be a change in the game in and of itself. Yeah. Like I'm wow. a big fan of those slightly longer seasons because I like a little bit more time to spend with people and get to know them like for me a Boba Fett show needed to earn me liking Boba Fett and I love Tamura like love him so glad he's back amazing but it didn't win me over for the character yeah because I didn't really get to know him Mm -hmm. because it was more the world for you than the um like the overall picture. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's a really interesting question. And I, you know, I've thought a lot about sort of like the meta textual elements of it in terms of where in myth is this sort of happened before and it happens a lot in Greek stuff. It happens a lot in Roman stuff of these shifting perspectives and everything. And lots of people, I think, uh, follow me on Twitter did not like that I said the Bible, but it, I mean, I didn't make Shmi a virgin birth. George did. Uh, it, it, it is... <laughs> It is sort of pulling from those sources, um, not comparing Star Wars to the Bible. I'm just saying that uh, to do that is sort of interesting. But then there's also the the business side of it too, right? Where Blythe, you know, you were touching on the idea of Star Wars can, up until this point, could really be accessed from anywhere. Um, but now they're also fighting a streaming war, yeah. which is interesting. And so in fighting a streaming war and trying to gut Netflix and, and fight Paramount Plus and all this stuff, you... I'm not saying it's right for story, but I do see the mentality of we need to make every single thing appointment viewing. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is to make them all matter to each other. Some of them won't need it. Like Kenobi sells itself. You put that poster out, it's going to get subscribers that haven't watched a film since Revenge of the Sith. Well, and yeah, and Kenobi is like... You know, he's one of the he biggest characters the, in film. Yeah, yeah, he is the connecting character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anything that he does in that show will reverberate out through Star Wars. So it's an interesting moment. And I don't think it's right, wrong, bad, or good. It's just this is two or three executive producers on this show doing something that hadn't been done. And it's going to, like you do anything that hasn't been done, it's going to brush up on on things in great ways and in, in bad ways. And it's causing This a, is their like Age of Ultron moment, which has now become one of the most important Marvel movies when it it's really a, oh, it's wasn't a great before. comparison. It's a great comparison. Um, a movie that rubbed people the wrong way in a lot of ways, many of which ended up being some of the 
fan favorite storylines. Why is Thor in this vision pool? I don't care about these gems. This means nothing to this film. And then, you know, that ends up being Infinity War Endgame. And, and again, I'm not defending the, you know, you can dislike anything. And, and, and if people love or hate this show, that's entirely well, within their right. But the beautiful thing about Star Wars also is that you like some things, you don't have to like everything. There's so much Star Wars Correct. out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's beautiful. There's something for yeah. everybody. Like, I, I don't, I want to say, like, I am so happy for, like, the Tories of the world who love Boba Fett. Like, I'm happy this show exists. Don't gas her up too much. It's cool. <laughs> so kind. <laughs> Shut up, Alden. <laughs> like, this, this needed to happen. There's a lot of people who love this character. He needed, it needed to happen. Did it need yeah. to happen for me? No, but I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it's out there for fans of the character. Yeah. And I'm really glad Tamara Morrison is back. And I'm really glad Magnal Wen is in it. Like Best choices. Yep. Good cast. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So there's this obviously like this conversation about where we're at in terms of formatting and stuff um, could go on forever. So I don't want to mm-hmm. spend too long on it. I will say for everybody listening, really just like, and it's not a Star Wars thing. I'm not saying like it. I'm just saying like, look around and realize we're in a moment. It's exciting if you like TV at all. WandaVision doing nine episodes and doing what it did. This show just being like, what if formats just pivoted um, uh, the Rings of Power in the Vanity Fair piece? They said it's going to have 22 leads that are all going to be interweaving and pivoting, which is absurd. And so I just feel like good, bad, and different. We're in a moment where everybody in their own way is saying, what if we didn't have to do TV the regular way? And that excites me just on principle. And it's exciting. So yeah, so for that, all that stuff, um, everybody's going to have very, very, very strong opinions, all of us included. And that's totally cool. But Tori, uh, I'm going to throw it back to you so you can lead us in some of the overall stuff and our quotes and all that. And then... Absolutely. Well, I guess we normally go with general impressions. Do we feel like that's... Already kind of covered a little bit. A little bit. Do you want to do like general six and then general? Sure. Seven? Um. So general impressions for chapter six. <laughs> Honestly, immediately after, pretty upset. <laughs> you were upset. But I've let it simmer, and we're good. We're good now. It's all good. And it did. While I still do have complaints about the overall long, like length of kind of the interjection of other characters into the story for. The- you know, five and six. I do think that my biggest issue with the number six, the length of the Grogu stuff, it did come around in a really fun way. Um, and I was pretty satisfied with the way that that ended. Um, I mean, come on, the Rancor, come on, adorable. Um, so I felt a lot better after the fact with that. Um, and obviously I was very upset about Cobb being shot. Um, and now we're, it's all good. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of the, my, my issues and my concerns have been addressed and that's great. Um, I think it set up some really interesting things. I think I'm shocked, honestly, that, and I mean, I'm not particularly upset because of the pure joy of it all, but like, I'm shocked that Mando and Grogu are already reunited at this point. Hmm. So that's an interesting um, thing, but uh, yeah. So chapter six, that back half, I probably watched like eight times. I loved it. Um, and seven, I, I really liked it. I thought it was a great finale. I feel like there is still much to be desired in a way. Like it feels incomplete, 
But when I say that, I don't mean it in like a, a negative way per se. It just feels like there's more, right? Like they've just introduced so many interesting characters. Um, and he's kind of, he's made he's made progress, right? He's kind of like, you can tell the people of Mos Espa are, are recognizing him and hey, and that's cool. But it just feels like there's something else here, right? And maybe that's wishful thinking on my part because I want a season two. But it does feel like, especially in terms of like the inner growth of Boba, it feels like there's more more to come on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think about that quote from Fennec a couple episodes back where, you know, the med droid's like, you're fully healed. And he's like, great. And she's like, what about the scars on the inside? And it's like, there you go. I thought it was a really just cute, fun, actually kind of happy and optimistic ending, which was interesting. Um, and yeah, I hope for more. Those are my general thoughts. Um, but I'm going to take it over to Blythe. How did you feel individually? Individually, about I each loved, loved chapter six. I just loved it. I was straight up crying. Like I was, I, I took the day off for like a mental health day to take care of some things from work. And I started the day with that because I had Alden and like my friend Riley and my friend Wes. I had like everybody on the place with planet All- messaging me, <laughs> telling me I needed to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. So I did. And I was sobbing. And all I could remember thinking was like, I want to be a part of this world. I love this so much. I love Luke Skywalker. I love getting to see him again as his baby self. I'm like a huge Luke fan. So this was, I'm a huge Grogu fan, huge Mando fan. Ahsoka's there. Like everything I love was in that episode. And then the ending, I was like, okay, that's fine. But I... (laughs) <laughs> I love how inverted your experiences are with this one. With that, with that particular section, I have to say, listen, has been watching I am the ending. so happy for you. It, it, there is something so incredible about watching something Star Wars, and every single like section of it, you're just like, this was made specifically for me. Like, there's something yeah. so special about that, and that makes me so happy. Well, and that's like what I was saying for you. Like, I'm so happy this exists for you, and I'm so happy for all the people who finally get to see Cad Bane in live action. Yes, like. Is he my favorite character? No, but he's a lot of people's favorite character and that's super cool and super exciting. And I love seeing the animation get brought into the live action. Like, mm-hmm. hell yeah, that's amazing. Cause normally animation doesn't get the same respect. So the fact that we're literally making the animation as important as the live action is so good. <laughs> but yeah, like the, the Luke stuff, the Jedi stuff, all that, that is my bread and butter. I was crying, I was loving it. Um, for chapter seven, I had a lot of fun. It's a fun episode. Um, the Grogu nap with the Rancor is my literal favorite part of the whole thing. <laughs> As it should be, I mean. <laughs> also the force jumping into Mando's arms. I couldn't, I was, I was like, I can't. My dad and son are reunited. It's too much. <laughs> it's too pure. Um, and then of course the Naboo Starfighter part at the end with the little like tapping. I was like, I love this. I love everything about Grogu and Mando. I'm gonna cry again. Um, but the episode itself, I it was fun. It's a good action B episode, but in terms of structure and story, there are things I wanted. Like, I don't know, where were those Tuscan Raiders that Freetown has a um truce with? Why aren't they there fighting mm. back against the people ruining Tatooine? And maybe the people who also killed their tribe people. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Just a thing I a thing I was thinking about the entire time. Because I was like, Rancor is cool, but why did no one think to go ask the native peoples of Tatooine 
to help Mm -hmm. avenge their own planet especially because every character here has a deal with them or knows them or can speak to them in some way so that was a little bit of a gripe i had um yeah i I mean it was really fun it's pure robert rodriguez which he's always a fun director he literally makes fun action romps for a living i and I love Spy Kids, so like it's really cool for me as a Latinx person getting to see like uh, this Latino director get to do Star Wars. Like thinking about the fact that between Mando and or this Ahsoka, like these are all people of color led shows, and now we're getting people of color directors. Like we're getting Robert Rodriguez, we're getting Deborah Chow. Like holy cow! <laughs> yeah, like that's amazing. I am stoked. Like to see myself in Star Wars finally. Like it's amazing between Kanan, between all these characters. Like I am, I'm here for it. I want Robert Rodriguez to do more. I'm excited for him to get to do more episodes. Yeah, I didn't expect the Rodriguez element to be such a controversial one in the end here. Like I totally get that. Like again, opinions are opinions. I just, for me, it's it surprised me to see people that like really really love the tragedy in season two diss this because i i see them as so similar but maybe it's just a like i think the tragedy is this episode is the tragedy stretched out into 55 minutes like the tragedy is boba helping din and fennec and then he's doing knee darts and blowing stuff up and knee darts I think we know the reason, but I did not expect it either. Because if you know who Robert Rodriguez is as a director, like yeah. this is it. This is this is literally this is shit. it even more so. And yeah. and it's got every I mean, it's got so many elements and, and he is like a lot of those nineties directors, you know, they're the guys that look back, you know, him and Tarantino and De Palma, like all those guys well they were looking at like De Palma, looking at the Godfather, looking at Westerns. You literally have a Western fall into a barrel of water in this episode. Someone falling off a balcony. You have all the flips and I cannot even believe that spin gate became a thing uh <laughs> okay, in our community. Really. Because we will defend the spin here. <laughs> this is a pro just- spin <laughs> show i was laughing at that because all i could think was you left your emotions moving on yeah, yeah first of all yeah, <laughs> oh my god yeah the person that it. shared it <laughs> Mo- that's your fault person that's your fault for having a bad setting no. um uh, but yeah so uh, that that was just an aside and i thought that robert i mean again everybody's gonna have the, the star wars director that they prefer and i would rather some of them cause controversy and mixed opinions, then I, I would want it to be a safe house style. Like, I like that Roberts feel like this. I like that Dave's feel like Rebels and Clone Wars. I like that, like, Deborah's Deborah's feel, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's feel so, A, very in line with her father, and, and B, very cinematic and movie-esque. And um, I like that uh, Rick Famuyiwa's are so based on the quiet moments. Um, I love him. I yeah, love and, him. I want so much more of him in Star Wars. Yeah, we, yeah. He's so mm-hmm. good. Sam, he's a beast. And, uh, and I like Taika. Like, I like that Taika's Mando episode starts with a, a conversation between two scout troopers because that's what he would do. So I would rather have people do that. Um, and, and for it to be like, oh, that one didn't work for me, than network television, which is, yeah, you're directing it, but you better fall in line and make it all the, the same way. So uh, overall, I think that, you know, just to end the impressions part, I thought that six was, I think I'm sort of, combining both of your takes right i loved it from start to finish and i I love both sides and i i think that um there's a lot to be said for the way that luke and and boba as these two guys like i i think that we talked about this a little bit with holly fry in the chapter five discussion 
Star Wars is usually about young people trying to find their way. And, you know, Ezra and, and Cal Kestis and Ray, of course, and, and Luke and Leia. But with Luke and Boba and Din, like these are all, I mean, Luke's younger than Boba and Din. Um, he's only in his 20s at this point. But these are full-fledged adults at, that have already done the first journey. And now they're like, oh, this is, it's still hard. Like, I'm still trying to figure things out. And even Cobb, who we can assume is an older guy, I mean, he's all grayed up. Like, he's still having challenges and still having moral questions about, crap, like, that's a really good point. Like, it is going to become our problem. Like, Cobb, Vanth, and Din talking, and Din saying, you know, it's it's not your problem right now, but it will be soon, is straight up Phantom Menace. That's straight up getting the Gungans on the side of the Naboo. Uh, you know, you're a symbiote circle. What happens to one of you will affect the other. And that's such a Star Wars thing. I mean, that's why the Ewoks join up with the rebels on Endor. That's why the people of Lafal, um, in the end, they, they, you know, they're cheering and everything because they know that um, the actions of one affect everybody. That's the entire message of Rogue One is Cassian's, well, one of my favorite messages of it, it's not just one message, but is make 10 men feel like 100. Because you are going to have, you're going to be, you know, down and out. You're going to be outnumbered, but it's it's collectivism. It's togetherness. That's why it's so cool that to move into seven, which I also love. I'm the really positive one today. um, Is that when you write it all out, it makes no sense. You have two Iron Man action figures, a ninja assassin, a walking carpet, a bunch of bionic teens, two pigs, a dinosaur, oh. <laughs> like <laughs> just a baby. It's uh, Robert a, Rodriguez. Yeah. A, a, yeah. A mechanic. First of all, Pelly getting in on the battle um, was something Incredible. I never expected. Uh, when she came around the corner, it was like, Mando, you won't believe it. I was like, get out of here. What the hell? No, like, what I is was she him. Do? I was Mando. Turn around. <laughs> I felt like I was watching Spy Kids, but Star Wars, which is where I had like I had a lot of fun with this episode. It was so weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's bananas. And then the Major Domo is there. She's like, get behind me, pretty face. Like all of that stuff is just out of this world goofy, but in the best way. Um so in that in that area, you know, I had fun with both of them. I think it's in you know, Tori, you touched on the not expecting maybe the Grogu storyline, at least the separation part of the storyline to be wrapped up this quick um, yeah, i wasn't expecting that mano season two and then boom 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 boom. oh they're back together i compare it sort of to i see people not that you were criticizing it for that but i've seen people criticize it for that and i i would compare it to two things one han being frozen at the end of empire and then he's unfrozen at the beginning of jedi doesn't make it less impactful when it happens in empire I think I can still watch the rescue and be emotional. And then two, to use a non-Star Wars example, Ragnarok takes away Thor's hammer and his eye, and then he gets both of them back in the next movie. So it's just, sometimes <laughs> the stories are going to move in different directions. And I think that we'll talk about, you know, the future at the end, but I, I think- I was actually that, sad about the eye because Thor with the eye patch was kind of hot. Thor with the eye patch was raw. It, he he deserved to still have that. Rad as hell. Um, very into it. But yeah, I, I think that there's um, so much good here going on and a lot of stuff that, like there's a lot of potential for the future, like Tori was saying, whether that's a season two, whether that's, because I could see them doing lots of stuff. You could just keep branching out shows, you know, like how Marvel has done where there's going to be a Loki season two. There's going to be a Captain America four that's going to follow up that show, like whatever. I could also see it being like Mando two, Book of Boba. Mando 3, Book of Bo-Katan. Mando 4, Book of whoever. Like, wondering about that, I don't know. But I do think that this takes Boba to a super interesting place because 
as Game of Thrones will tell you, winning and ruling are not the same thing. And yeah, and being exactly. number one, being number one just makes mm-hmm. it harder. Like it's awesome the way that Fennec took out all the leadership, but that's a that's a dark move, and that's a lot of different yes, individual it's, parties. It's ruffle some feathers that way. Yeah, so, for sure. Super interesting. But then you know the episode ends on Din's theme music and them flying off, which sort of makes me think like, okay, we're going to be like a story branch out over here, a story branch out this way, a story. So I don't know how they're going to keep doing it, especially because only a handful of the announced projects are in this grouping. Andor's not, Kenobi's not, the Acolyte's not. So who knows? But anyway, Tori, you want to kick off the next uh, section here? This is always a fun one. This is the best one. So it's time for our quotes of the week. Started now, as Boba quote of the week. I was gonna say it can't be Boba quote of the week now because uh, there were a couple episodes where he did not say much. Bless him. So, um, <laughs> so chapter six from the desert comes a stranger. Alden, what was your quote of the week? Uh, I think that my quote of the week in chapter six, my my first one is Cobb Vanth saying uh, the next people that get lost in the Mos Pelgo territories lost will be lost forever. forever. That's because that's just badass. And it's such a good Western line. Mm-hmm. And then my second one, just on a wholesome level, is Luke describing Yoda's speech to Grogu. Like, he used to talk in riddles. Do you know anyone that's ever talked like that? That felt like a Playhouse Disney moment. Like, when when they're like, hey, kids, can you find the lost duckling? And it's right there on screen. Like, that, his tone was totally like, have you ever heard anyone talk in riddles? I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I saw the movies, Luke. I know he does. Yes. Um, I was crying. <laughs> so that was a, a really wholesome. And also, it was accompanied by Luke lifting him so he would move faster. And it's just the funniest thing. I lost it. Lost it. Um, do you want to do all of our sixes and then all of our sevens? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Okay. Blythe, what was your favorite six? Uh, I actually, one that really stuck out to me was Ahsoka's with, are you doing this for Grogu? Or are you doing this for yourself? Mm-hmm. That moment. It's a great question when you are doing things that like, like I think about that a lot in life. Like, am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this? Like, what do I, like, what's the point of this? What's the point of my action here? And I think a lot of people need to think more about that. Like before you act, are you doing this for that person and will it help them? Or are you doing it purely because you want to make yourself feel better? And while I don't necessarily think it was fair to Mando, I I just was like, that's kind of true. Like, are you doing this because you think it's what's best for Grogu? Or are you just doing it because you want to see him and you miss him? neither one is right or wrong per se it's just it's an important question to ask yourself especially when you don't really understand the force or the jedi yeah <laughs> like if it it was just it was a good moment and i thought it was something i'm like yeah we all kind of need to ask ourselves that more often yeah and she's not raising the question even like she has an opinion she's just no. raising the question because it needs to be raised yeah and because she came from a life where they were hard line and didn't ask enough questions yep um i also think she's a little afraid of another anakin 100 percent, and that's why i think her show will have a lot to do with that but yeah. it also makes me think of clone Wars season seven the last time she saw obi just like the betrayal she felt where the, the salt from the trial you know from her near expulsion or expulsion but then reversal like the way they the the, the salt and the way their relationship went out because of rigidness and people not asking right questions and people not thinking with their hearts and stuff so 
I, I like what you're saying. Yeah, I love that characters like that push things um, for the sake of thinking. She's just saying, think about it. Yeah. You know, think it through. What Cobb Vance says is a theme throughout a lot of the show, um, which also comes back in seven with Fennec being like, not right now, not on his terms. You're going to have your shot. There's a lot of, a lot of the Star Wars in the show is um, basically telling people like, think before you do anything. So, I mean, honestly, that's like been kind of the message of Star Wars. Like, Rebels has that a lot. Yeah. Last Jedi. <laughs> Yeah. literally all about that like this is becoming like a thing of like oh yeah especially that hold up post or you, you know yeah yeah absolutely 100 percent. absolutely tori what was your your song? mine is not that deep <laughs> oh, i cannot wait i, th- I think i know what it's no, gonna my, be you, what, do you, what do you think it's gonna be what do you think it's gonna, it's gonna be, be the smile quote yes <laughs> <laughs> no, see that's what i well. like about you man though that smile of yours lets you get away with anything god Vanth is so smooth they should have just banged Honestly, I tried <laughs> I to keep it you, somewhat did PG. I tell you this one, the but... the fanfics went through the roof after this episode. Dude, shout out! There's to, been a lot added. Shout out to Brian from Pink Milk, who's been pushing Din Cobb for two years now. Uh, this was the closest we've gotten to to Din Cobbery. It was pretty. It was a it was a really good line for sure. I'm just saying, sure. retiring on retiring with your beautiful shrimp farmer girlfriend or retiring with your equally beautiful cowboy boyfriend you can't go wrong mando has options that's for darn mando's sure. got nothing but <laughs> options because he's, he's people love a good dad he's with a too, good heart. too lucky too lucky i tell you i also just shout out to every character in this show this is not just these two episodes everyone that reacted to him not having grogu Kelly did it. Like, what did you do it. that for? Always then, says, I, I guess we both lost something we were fond of. Yeah, Cobb, where's, where's your little friend? The, yeah, just, all of that was gold. Okay, so now seven. Seven. Blythe, you want to start on seven? I honestly do you don't have a seven one? a quote from seven other than what's your angle. What's your angle is a, a good quote. One. <laughs> it's a good it's one. like, it stood out. It also stands out because they really liked playing with the, like, cutting to his mouth. And it reminds me of the freaking voice of sauron master Theron, yeah they oh they were proud sauron. of that about they were proud they were of, so the, proud of the cad teeth they were they were loving the, they were like <laughs> they knew they were killing them and they were like we're gonna get all the cad teeth in this episode I, that we can get I just kept and i love that scene in return of the king so i was extended edition specifically he's not yes. in the theatrical cut but yeah i just that's that's the thing i remember but most of my memories are like grogu being cute i was so focused on everything grogu was doing and squealing and then also I think the mod and that one Freetown girl, like there was something happening. We're going to talk about that. I agree with that statement. I agree with that that statement. I don't make notes, but that's a mental note of mine. Uh, That's Drash and Joe. Her name's Joe from Freetown. Joe. And Joe has been one of those like. That you see a lot. You Yes. She's in the Marshall. Mm-hmm. She's yes. in six. She's always saying hi to Cobb. She's, she's always in, like, yeah, there. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's not a not like a deputy, but you could tell she's a, a yep. an important townsperson. Um, I also love the mods. Like, I love the mods. I love them too. They're wonderful. Good. Wonderful. Okay, Tori, do you want me to go or do you want to go? I'll go. Okay. Good. I'll go. Sure. Um, you know what? I said that and it immediately left my brain. So <laughs> Okay, I'll go. <laughs> Good talk. Um, so the my I'll give my runner up first. I really love the exchange of thank you and then manners. I like okay, that was that was the a, one that was up here. That's pretty good. That's a great one, especially because Ming Na's somewhat sarcastic, but with a little bit of respect, delivery is just perfect. Like I wish that she would approve me in that same way. 
like Ocean <laughs> Ming Na would say, I like it to everything that I do. Um, I, I loved another runner up was the whole, you really believe in that Bantha fodder. I do. Good. Good. Yeah. That's a a great one. That whole moment was so Mandalorian, so Mandalorian between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Those differing perspectives and. Well, also just the, both of their options involve dying pretty much. Yeah. We could die here. (laughs) We could die over there. Die over there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then tying in with that scene, the solution that they come up with to use Major Domo as a distraction gives us the whole declaration, but the last line, if you refuse these terms, I'm saying it in his voice, even though he didn't say it. If you refuse these terms, the arid sands of Tatooine will once again flourish with flowered fields fertilized with the bodies of your dead. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Like, where did that come from? What a poet. He was spitting bars, knowing that he was about to die. He's like, if I'm going out, this is going to be the best statement was ever. Heard. And it was. And it was. And the way that Major Domo, like uh, David Pasquazi is the actor's name. His comedic timing is phenomenal. Um, this is also funny to me. It's like compared to Din, who would probably just be like, leave or um, die, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Like, got flair, you know? I love Din, but Din has no flair. <laughs> Dramatics. Yeah. And then everything that Cad says, you know, whether it's what's your angle or, uh, or the, you know, it depends on how much your two stomachs can bear, all of that. Or even just the way that the Pike boss is like, did you take care of the Freetown problem? And he's like, yes. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. <laughs> Corey Burton's really going for it. Corey Burton was having a blast. Um, so yeah, Tori. <laughs> I'm sorry, your reaction to that is just very funny. Oh my god. Um, We've just, lost Tori. Just incredible. You really have. It's okay. No, um, I think, again, kind of piggybacking off of what you said, um, I liked that entire interaction with Boba and Din. I just really enjoy, like, I just, every time I'm just like, oh, friendship, like how... How cute. And so um, I really like the the In the Name of Honor, which, you know, the name of the, the episodes. Yep. But, you know, I guess we'll both die in the name of honor, which is funny because when that title pops up on the screen, I was like, that makes me feel like they're going to die. <laughs> That's a really good question. Finish your quotes and then and then I'll throw you that question just about your viewing experience. No, that was a that that quote was good. That moment was good. <laughs> that whole moment. Yeah. I, but it made me laugh because it was like this is the purest of Mandalorian friendship. You're just you're just gonna die, I guess. And I think back to Kane and I was like, Mandalorians are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have another quote, Tori, or no? Oh no, that's it. I mean I, I I was thinking about the Fennec one as well that you already said. Right. I loved right. I love that. Her her just being her little snarky self. Cute moment. Very cute moment. So cute. Um so before we break things down, you you've made me think now. Tori, being the Boba superfan, did you sit down for this episode bracing yourself for a possible death? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Just a smidge. I didn't actually really think it was going to happen because in the back of my mind, I was like, I do feel like there's so much more to be kind of approached here and talked about. Um, But, you know, kind of, again, like, you know, obviously Cad Bane's going to show up. Like, clearly they're both very good, you know, at what they do. So I definitely had some some concern there and then yeah when did said that i was like oh here we go like they would do like make this like logan where it's like it's a big western type story and then he goes out and everyone is inspired by him going out like that type of thing but yes uh, yeah that's exactly it i kind of thought about it that way i was like i i really hope this doesn't end up being like some big like oh you know 
Mos Espa like really appreciates him now because he, he yeah. died. <laughs> and the book of Boba Fett is what we wrote about him after. No, he I hate that. No. Okay, so I am, uh, just because of the amount of, of banana pants action and story and all the stuff that we have going on, uh, for those of you that have been following along with the season, first of all, thank you. Um, we have both some you. new listeners and everything that have joined up because of the show. It's really exciting. Um, normally, this is very free-flowing because normally it's just one episode. But this time, I'm going to be doing a little bit of, uh, a little bit of steering and a little bit of throwing things to Blythe and Tori to bounce around, but in a in a topical sort of um, categorized way. Thankfully, this show has given us some pretty distinct little areas and some distinct uh, paths to go down. Um, so I think it's appropriate that we end on obviously chapter seven and the and the battle. So let's start with everything that is not directly related that is either thematically related or tangentially via grogu let's talk about everything in chapter six on unnamed temple planet to start we'll throw it at first to tori what was your and and we did this with our bad batch finale and season overview and i think it's a good way to go about things just because it sort of addresses sort of like the duality sometimes of like the viewing experience Um, we'll start with your favorite thing what was your favorite thing about this Luke planet side story. I enjoyed seeing, I really, I guess, Grogu's training. Um, And I think I really enjoyed more so the general conversation of like, his heart's not in it, you know, all of this. Oh, you know what though? I'm forgetting. Let's be honest. They knew what they were doing here. The backpack running through the forest. Like that was, that was incredible. That was so cute. And I was like, this is so on the nose, but I don't even care. Oh, I didn't care one bit. <laughs> it was yep. just, I don't even care one bit. This is precious. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, the, uh, yeah, seeing his training, really great. Seeing how he's doing. I mean, clearly he's like very powerful and he's kind of gaining back some of those skills, which is really cool to see. And to kind of hear Luke say, you know, he's more so just remembering, you know, I'm not really teaching him a lot. Um, but at the same time, it was kind of nice. Like, I mean, obviously I don't want the child to suffer, but it was kind of nice to hear, oh, you know he's not his heart's maybe not in it here because i you know had a lot of hope that him and mando would end up back together so Hmm. yeah this is my favorite part and what do you think that you struggle with the most about it or something that you're not sure about or something that you want clarification on i don't like to do like what's your least favorite thing but i don't know if i yeah i don't know if i need clarification per se i i think at this point i can kind of say i like understand that Maybe there are just certain things that I are not, I'm not going to get or not for me or whatever. And you know what? It's not even that I didn't like it because I do think, I do think that it serves its purpose. It it's a it doesn't make it any less frustrating though. Kind of almost feeling like you're witnessing like more mistakes being made, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. From like the perspective of like like I I and again my opinion it I thought it was sad to see them kind of be like no attachments sir please please leave here. Like it was heartbreaking to watch Din kind of make this decision of like, well, I'm going to go now. Um, and again, I understand that this is all integral to the story. Uh, but I think, 
And again, I'm not a Jedi diehard fan. So, but from my perspective, it was interesting to see characters that you see really go through it um, at the hands of the Jedi and kind of experience things beyond the original Jedi, maybe like rules and regulations, if you will. It was interesting to see the choices that were made. Yeah, we'll talk about that more. But I look at that temple and I say, well, we know what happened there. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing, right? It's like you have to, um, this is not a, this is just the best comparison I can make off the top of my head. It's like being given the script assignment to write Titanic. Like, you know that that boat's going down. So yeah. you just figure out the uh, the fig- figure out the beats that get him there. And and with Luke, it's like you can give him high highs, like the Mando season two finale. You also have to give him low lows, and you also have to set him up to be the kind of guy that would that ends up where he does. All yeah, the Last Jedi being like. Uh, by the way, um, we were wrong. Uh, <laughs> so you need, he has to make them, he has to be wrong Surprise. to get there. Um, Blythe, favorite thing about uh, this Luke Grogu section? Can I say everything? <laughs> I think you can. Uh, I'll allow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I loved that section. Like, I really like, I actually like getting to see Grogu independent of Din just for a bit because so much of him has been based on his relationship and his connection to Din that I like seeing mm. him interact with other characters. Like he doesn't speak, but I like seeing how he responds to Luke versus how he responds to Din versus how he responds to Ahsoka. Like it's really nice getting to see him kind of be his own person. I like that. I also love the running through the forest and the backpack. God. How could you not? How could I you was, not? I was like, I don't care. This is on the nose. This is the I kind of pandering I want in my life. <laughs> It's such a, uh, it's such a pure moment too, right? Because each and every one of us that watched that have grown up on these movies, it's like we could call the shots. We were like, okay, front flip, front flip. Ah, there it is. Front flip. <laughs> <laughs> and also like as someone who has been waiting for the moment of like, when, are, when is a character going to speak to him about Yoda? When is a character going to actually like kind of talk to him about that? So like seeing Luke do that of like, you remind me of Yoda, like he was the same species as you and stuff like that was really nice to finally get to witness and see how characters tell him about another person like him. So that was nice. Um, I loved Ahsoka and Luke getting to talk. (laughs) You're so much like your father, like, ah, her saying she's a friend of the family, like all of that stuff. I was like, I feel so rewarded and my heart is full. And honestly, this is better than anything I could have imagined for these moments. So that was really fun. Those are my favorite parts. I don't know. I just really like this episode. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bother uh, throwing you the the. Do you need? Do you struggle with anything? Do you need clarification on anything? Because you've probably thought about it ad nauseum, nonstop since oh, yeah. it aired. No. no, no. You and I have spoken about a lot of the implications and everything of uh, the Jedi. So I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a unique question here. Oh. For the for you to address our listeners and anyone out there that may stumble on this episode. What do you, as a Jedi fan? want people um or think the show is trying to get people to take away from this section um because the, uh, you know i'll give a shout out to a good friend of mine who's been on the show good friend of Tori's as well chris swift who's yes. been struggling with this episode a lot because i there's there's some disagreements about what the ending of return of the jedi really meant and i see chris's point of view and there are many that agree with him which is didn't attachment win the day in return of the jedi but then I would also argue that attachment almost also lost the day because it's attachment to Leia that made him almost lose control. So where are you standing on on Luke now five years later from Jedi 
and what's going on. Well, first of all, at the end of Return of the Jedi, he literally separates himself from the celebrations to go see something only he has seen. Yeah. And only he can see and only he can feel. And at the end of the day, it's pretty clear that him being a Jedi, despite his attachments to Sidious familial connections, somewhat separates and isolates him from his friends on some level. Mm-hmm. And that is clear at the end of Return of the Jedi. I also think that he, you know, he learned from Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is literally a stickler for the rules. One of my favorite characters. He is a rules boy. He follows the rules. He teaches Luke the way he knows how. And while Yoda tries to teach Luke, like, in, in a way, I feel like Yoda is trying to go, Jedi weren't perfect. But like, even then, like, Luke is, he has no reason to believe that the Jedi really failed. He has no reason to believe that their teachings are wrong. Mm-hmm. Like his attachments, yes, that saved Vader. Attachments redeemed and saved Vader in the end. Redeemed does not mean forgiven for people who are going to come for me that for that comment. It's me. He's, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I think people need to take away the fact that Luke has no more role models. The only two he had were pretty by the book overall. Mm-hmm. He realizes that this power in a lot of ways isolates and separates himself from his loved ones, whether he wants it to or not. Literally, with great power comes great responsibility. Hey, is there a movie we that's a about good, that? We recently? love a good Spider-Man <laughs> quote. Yeah. Was there a movie where that was really important recently? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it six <laughs> times or anything. Um, John Favreau was also there. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> Conspiracies. Aliens. <laughs> Uh, no, but like, I think what you need to remember is that Luke is trying his best. And the only thing he really knows is his teachers are dead and there's some books and some teachings he can follow. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't, he's just literally trying to figure it out as he goes. Like, I think he's what, like 23, like he's a baby. Yeah. I think, at this point, I think at this point he's probably, I think five years later, Mandalorian, he's yeah. 28, I think. Okay. Yeah. I think so he's, he's 23 in return. But yeah. yeah, like he's he's not, I mean, like I'm 28 right now. I don't even, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. Like we have to kind of remember that Luke doesn't know what he's doing. And he's trying really, really, really hard and trying to take this power and this responsibility and use it for the betterment of the galaxy. And he doesn't know that the Jedi were wrong yet. He has to yes. learn that. That's a key point because at this point, based on what he knows, Based on what we yeah. know, he knows. Because, um, of course, there is the storytelling between Jedi and Mandalorian, of course. But what we know he knows is that Vader fell. Mm-hmm. He does not perhaps realize that Vader fell largely in part to the Jedi losing their way. Yeah. It, it, from his point of view, it could just be a freak situation that happened and that he was not privy to. Probably what Ahsoka explained. Right. Because Ahsoka can only, she can only express, you know, because she's, she's, she battled this man on a Sith planet only a few years prior. Like she is going through some clearly, you know, in her episode of Mano season two, some trauma. Um, she's still in the gray cloak. She's not in the white cloak yet. You know, it's, it's yeah. that Thelonisms of Tolkien, but I think it's, um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. And, and with the context of the not at all controversial episode nine, um, we know that Luke has already, failed at starting this up once it wasn't a sad failure there's no bitterness between him and his sister but people forget like grogu would be the first apprentice of the school yeah he already trained leia 
and she had a horrible vision and gave it up and all this. So he's already on a, yeah. I'm behind. Like, I, I really need to, like, him already having tried to take a, a, an apprentice and his sister yeah. and it not working and her pivoting back into politics and all this stuff, I think puts him at a place of like, okay, this next one, I'm going to do everything right. Everything's going to be great. And then now with Grogu also choosing a different way, I can only imagine that the whoever the first student really is, is he's having have a crisis. <laughs> he's, they're going to be like, this Ky- canonically, I thought Kylo was his real first student of the school. I, I, I think it's yes. It's like because he says like I took I took Ben and 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 twelve other kids. So it's like whoever literally signed up first. I don't think we know, but yeah. So Ben and twelve kids. So it's sort of that whole and that's. I think we that, also forget that Luke yeah. puts a lot of weight on his shoulders. Oh my god! Like, yeah, and that's Last Jedi, on, right? Yeah, like he yeah. takes on too much, which I think as millennials we can all relate to. A hundred percent. And that's what Yoda says Amen. when he, when the fire of the tree is burning. You know, always look into the horizon, never in front of you know what was in front of your nose. Bonks him on the mm-hmm. head. Like that whole thing is is so embedded in this episode. And for Ahsoka's point, I've seen lots of people talking about. And they're not wrong to talk about it. And I had some awesome conversations with Brian from Pink Milk about this. It's his favorite character. Obviously, her arc's not done. There's a lot to be done with it. She's getting a yeah. show. We're not sure what she was doing between Malachor and LaFall. We, we're still not sure. So there's a lot to be filled in. But yeah. some people are like, well, why didn't Ahsoka, like, why is Ahsoka cool with this and condoning this soon-to-be school if X, Y, and Z? And I think that it, she's in an unenviable position. She's almost 20 years his senior. She's effectively his aunt. And she saw what happened to his father, but emotionally through the force, saw it while it was happening, remembers the Clone Wars, then fought Vader, um, knows Padme's dead, knows most of her people are dead, knows at this point Obi-Wan is dead. I think that it's almost like a, I can't condone it, but in the spirit of togetherness, I need to be supportive. And I think that she's trying to do, trying to be an emotional sort of buffer for Grogu, for Din, and for Luke. So I think it's like, because Din says, hey, I thought you said that you weren't going to train him. She goes, I'm not, Master Luke is. But then Din tries to go see, and she's like, like your quote of the week, like, is this for you? Is this for him? And then with Grogu, you know, she had the scene with him where she's the one that finds out his name and has these moments of connection. So I think that Ahsoka is just in this really high pressure scenario right now of having to be everybody's support system and i think that it's really like the only person that really doesn't need her support is r2 because he's living oh, r2 um, doesn't need anyone support. he's he's got a Correct. construction company going on yeah he's doing with great. his ant droids like he's he's having a grand old time though um, there is something about ahsoka because she does this in rebels too mm-hmm. she supports kanan and ezra being jedi yeah I don't think she sees anything inherently wrong with being a Jedi or necessarily even the Jedi teachings. No. Yeah. She just saw how it fell. And so I think in a lot of, because with Caden and Ezra, she sees literally attachments work, but at the yeah. same time, she's not going to go tell people like attachments are the way just because she saw it work one time with them. 100%. She also saw how it destroyed someone. So I think she's just kind of like, She's not thinking um, in a binary, you know. Yeah. I think that I think that it's a really cool and badass and dramatic line in in Twilight the Apprentice. I am no Jedi, but I think it's been a really big problem in fandom that line because I think that people took it way too literally. And even Dave has said that. Dave's like, "Whoa, whoa yeah. I was not. That was a, that was a dramatic response to Vader in that moment. It's not meant to be a." It's also she doesn't see herself as a Jedi. 
No. Like, she doesn't. She, she has the Jedi it. teachings, which is a yeah. different, you know, she's applying them as a wanderer. Which is something I try to tell people all the time. There's a difference between yeah. being a Jedi and a Force user. Right. And which is where this. Grogu's at now. Grogu finds yeah. himself in the same territory. And I think that with Ahsoka, you know, the last thing that I'll say about her is that She's in this position now, like you mentioned, Kanan and Ezra, where she's sort of almost conveying, and so, so is Luke and so is Grogu. You know, we can all sort of take a moment and give a small round of applause to Attack of the Clones. Happy 20th. Um, Attack of the Clones, super relevant right now. And it makes me think of the the dinner, I guess, I don't know if it was dinner, lunch, breakfast, who knows. When they're eating on the, on the transport ship, um, Anakin and Padme, and they have the conversation about love and attachment. And Anakin... I forget the exact quotes, but somebody I had a guess. I think it, it was lunch because probably because of it was soup. It felt lunchy Seemed to me. Like anyway, lunchy. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was dinner because it looks really dark. But that's, it is a dark room. You know, but... Maybe. Yeah. I don't I'm gonna, know. I'm gonna at Pablo Hidalgo. Was that lunch? Like, was this lunch or dinner? <laughs> now I'm gonna go watch that scene just to figure this out. Anyway, and then end up watching the rest of the movie. Um, I love the prequels. I don't care what it. Oh, true. Yeah, true. Yeah, was my favorite one. Um, but this scene of Anakin saying, he's trying to be charming, of course, and, and flirtatious, but he's like, attachment is forbidden. Blah, blah, blah is forbidden. But compassion, et cetera, et cetera. I forget his exact words. And he's like, so you might say we are encouraged. encouraged to love. <laughs> like, <laughs> which is like a 19-year-old guy. All time, yeah, but... it's a 19-year-old guy taking what he heard in class and trying to spin it. Uh, but it is, but there's truth in it, which is like, I think people hear the Jedi think attachments are bad and they assume they don't, they can't have them. That's not true. It's just that the Jedi will not put the attachments. It's very actually Star Trek in that way of Spock, you know, the needs of the many versus the needs of the few. Like mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's also my favorite, which is yeah, a wonderful <laughs> moment. Yeah. Obi-Wan yells, you were my brother. I loved you. But what Obi-Wan refused to do that day was put that love above what the galaxy needed. And that's, that's what attachment is. Ahsoka did love Anakin. She still fought Vader. Mm-hmm. Ezra did love the ghost crew. He was still willing to leave them if it meant turning the tide and saving the day. That's what Which I think is- they're getting at. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what they've always been getting at is it's not the idea of like actual attachments. Yeah. It's when you let them get in the way of the greater good, which yeah. is always like, what does that actually mean? Yeah. But because sometimes the greater good could mean like saving your friends or family or, you know. Absolutely. It's it's the fact that they don't go to therapy. That's really the the issue here is these Jedi don't know how to process their emotions at all. I love these trash people. I love them so much. Uh, But none of them know how to process their emotions. None of them know how to healthily deal with it, which is like Kanan and Ezra work because every time when Ezra does, like, because there's a few times where Ezra almost falls. He starts doing dark side things. It's when he talks to Kane and it's when he talks to the people he needs to talk to. It's Amazing. When he talks about his Amazing feelings. how that works. And Kanan doesn't always respond well, per se. Yeah. But there's literally couples therapy with Bendu between the two of them to get them to talk yeah. and be open. Absolutely. Because that's what they need. It's not... And they love each other. But yeah, I think when Ezra sacrifices himself at the end of Rebels is when he really understands what it means to be a Jedi. It's when he goes, okay, this is what I have to do. And I think that has also always been the burden of the Jedi is you can love, you can have these wonderful people in your life, but at the end of the day, you're always going to have to be the one who makes the hard decision to let them go when it means 
saving the day instead. And that's classic stories, right? I mean, that's, yep. uh, that's Frodo. You know, yep. I loved you all. I still love you all, but I'm forever changed by what we went through and I have to go. Yep. Um, and that's, that's a burden. Um, that's Luke. You know what else what is a burden? Luke is dealing with. You know what else is a burden? Um, evidently a burden on the internet dealing with uh, a CGI face. So we're going to do an abrupt subject change uh, and we're going to move on because we could end up talking about this all day. Yeah, that's true. Tori, you're going to be the first person to express your feelings on the CGI Luke of it all. Where do you stand on it as a lover of movies, as a fan of Star Wars, as a person that has worked in effects, that understands what it's like to put on a show, to create an immersive experience? How do you feel about this? I feel two ways about it. Um, I think, you know, as Star Wars has always done, as Star Wars will continue to do, um, clearly a very integral part of it is technological advancement and doing new and exciting things with technology to make these incredible movies and TV shows now. Um, So I think it's cool in a lot of ways. I think I thought this was, you know, leaps and bounds above the end of Mando season too, which I still thought was good. Um, and by the way, when I say this, it feels worth saying this with Blythe here, who is a visual effects person. Because <laughs> I know, by the way, I want to start off by saying I know nothing about how any of this works. So, but I do think it's fascinating. I think it's very, very cool. On the flip side of that, you know me, I'm a practical effects person. I like that kind of stuff. And I do think um, I've had great success in my enjoyment of the recasting, so to speak, of like Han Solo and Lando. I thought those, you know, having, um, I always think of his- We have the same uh, name. His musician name. Oh, you were thinking of, of Donald Glover. I thought Thank you. Were, you. I, thought <laughs> I was thinking of Childish Gambino. I thought you I'm were like, blanking no, out Alden Ehrenreich. I was so like, sorry. there's an no, Alden on this no, no, call. No, 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 not him, no. But so I loved, I loved Donald Glover and I loved Alden Ehrenreich. And so for me, there is a part of me that's like, maybe if I was in charge, which I'll never be, but maybe if I was in charge, I might've maybe tried to find someone who could, who's maybe close enough in looks that could pick up on those mannerisms. Cause I think it's really neat, especially to see like the way that um, Alden and Donald did. I feel like they were, they did a very good job of picking up on those mannerisms and really capturing the essence of that character. And yes, of course you don't look exact, but I don't know. I think there's a certain fun in that. So I feel both ways about it. I think, it, I, mean, it's I, like think you, I thought it was incredibly successful. I thought he looked amazing. I mean, it's like you and an Alec Guinness. Yep. Like, you, he's enough exactly. like Alec Guinness. He's not oh, a clone of Alec amazing. Guinness. Amazing. Yeah. And there's something to be said about the art form of casting. Like, it's just when they get it right, you look at it and you're like, wow, that is just incredible that you can find a person that, you know, can play a younger version of this or whatever. Like, it's just really cool when they get it right, you know? Mm hmm. And Blythe, where are you standing before we... That's kind of the last thing I wanted to touch on with this Luke section. Where do you stand on the methodology in which he's been used? Writing and, and story aside, do you, are you... Does this, especially being a VFX coordinator, is this frightening to you? Is it exciting to you? Where, where, where are you at? It's weird. I'm not sure how I feel about it in the grand scheme of things, per se. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think it's going away anytime soon. I think this is a thing for the future of VFX. Um I've definitely heard some conversations about it at work, not specifically for what I'm working on, but like I have heard like rumblings and talks about it and thoughts and things. I don't hate it. And I think for a small, like, because here's the thing, like with Luke, 
I like him being used kind of as a once twice time thing. I think if you're going to lead a whole movie like Solo, you need a new actor. But if he's just coming back once here and there, like as a side character, I'm kind of fun with them experimenting with it. And like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, I have a, it's a little terrifying to me that we can just put people's faces on people. That's a little weird. Uh, and that yes. we can literally, because like they did record Mark a little bit, but they de-aged him. And then they also like just kind of strung out his voice and created the lines the way they did. That's a little weird to me. Those are all terrifying things. And I don't know if I like the implications of what that will mean for politics and things in the future. Well, I'm yeah, just going to delete security my, in general. Yeah. I'm going to delete my Blythe face. That I've been making here in my computer. Now. There was actually a, a successful CEO fraud that ended up yeah. with somebody uh, withdrawing like almost 300 grand. Which is a little, that's terrifying. Yeah. The technology itself, I think, is really cool as like a science y, VFX y person. Like, this is cool to me. How they do it is really cool. How they like scan the face, how they feed the machine, like how they do that code. Like, that's amazing. But I also go into the science of like, we just only thought about if we could do it and we didn't think about if we should. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but that's relevant I don't know. too. Yeah. I'm, I don't know I'm, if that's a good answer, but no, it's no, it's I have complicated answer. feelings about it, but also it's I cry issue. seeing Luke as Luke. Totally. I mean, it's, a, it's, an, emotional, it's an emotional move for the mm-hmm. people involved. Like, you know, that Kathleen was there working with George and Spielberg back when Mark was young and doing this role, Mm -hmm. you know, John and Rodriguez and Filoni obviously grew up on that performance. So I understand their spirit and I understand the technological side of it, like Tori and you were both saying about pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and the bleeding edge. Like, I don't think we'll ever see George comment on this unless they do a, a Luke documentary like they did with Boba or something like that. Um, I mean, as far as I know, he approves, but... Oh, yeah, he'll probably... He probably digs... He digs everything. He loves the volume. He probably loves this, too. I mean, this is the guy that was splicing together performances in Phantom Menace. You know, he was on the the bleeding edge. And the volume in this show has just been out of this world. Um, Yeah, I just... Hearing... Because I'm hearing... I get to hear now a little... Obviously, I don't know how ILM is doing it specifically, but I have been hearing more about how it works in general. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome. Yeah, and like as Fabro has said, it's not proprietary. So there could be a Weta one. There could be a, you know, everybody I can't be, say, but yeah, everyone, <laughs> I do get to hear more about how it works and it's yeah. really cool. Um, I am in, in large agreement with both of you on this issue. It's very complicated. I understand why it weirds people out. I think it's also case by case by case by case. So if you mm-hmm. have somebody like Mark that's all about this movie magic and he's a nerd and he, and he, he loves Luke and he loves being a part of this, and like we saw in the special about it, he went, he was in costume, he held Grogu, he acted it out that he would coach a young actor. Like if he's super involved, screw it, do it. Mm-hmm. Now, then there's a notch weirder, which is Billy Lord at doing Leia for the one shot in Rise. Like weird, because Carrie's not there, but that's also her daughter. Yeah. Then there's notches even weirder, like Tarkin, where it's like oh, yeah. Cushing's been dead for decades. Is that okay? And then it's sort of like, did his kids and his estate approve it? Then fine, I guess. So there, it's there's a sliding scale of so weird. much. Yeah, um, weirds me. That one weirded me out. Like when they did Young Leia for the end of Rogue One, Carrie was still with us and yeah. she was cool with it. Whatever, who cares? Um, but it definitely is a like heaven forbid. You know, Mark leaves us anytime soon. I wouldn't want that happening without him. You know, um, 
So it's like if, if Leia pops up, recast her in the same way you did with Han and Lando. Um, it's, it's a complicated thing, and I think it's okay for it to be complicated. I also think it's okay for people to have joy seeing it like you know like we did and all three of us loved the way it was used um and i think that there's a lot of a lot of pushback of like it's this ghoulish horrible bankrupt emotionally awful zombie thing and i'm like whoa 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 i i really don't think anyone meant anything badly by it mark was involved you know yeah no i don't think it's it does make me think of Bojack Horseman, weirdly enough, because there is like a, one of the, I think it's season three when he's making the movie, there's a moment when he like leaves and they do a scan of his face. Mm-hmm. This is years before we're doing this. And they go like, oh, we digitally just scanned your face so we can finish this movie, whether you're in it or not. Yeah. And I think of that. And I think it's like, I'm like, I don't, I, I yeah. like that Mark is involved. I want the person whose likeness being used to be involved in the process. Yeah. I feel very strange about Tarkin and yeah. Peter Cushing being dead for that long. But also, I mean, it's interesting. It's neat. It's- yeah. And again, it's like, like the story stuff we've been talking about. It's, you have to, you can't, you can't know if the water is hot or cold until you jump in at, you know, yeah. at the end of the day. So moving away from the Luke storyline, uh, I think we've, we've had some great talks about it um, to the other half of six. Now, we're going to combine the opening scene with Cobb with the back half because it was sort of divvied up. Tori, you know, given that you love this man, um, just I do t- love this man. <laughs> tell me That's about true. your, tell me about your uh, reaction to his inclusion. I mean, he was a, he was a safe bet, but still really exciting. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he was in our, uh, probably our list of potential people few. that could pop up. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you feel about the way he was used? How did you feel about the, uh, integration of what is now Freetown into the storyline of the Pikes moving to their territory, and um, yeah, walk me through your your feelings, um, your favorite things, things you're wondering about, things you maybe weren't too hot about. Just like your your whole feeling about uh, the Freetown storyline in Episode Six. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, clearly, uh, it was awesome. I always love when they start off an episode with something like that, and it's just like you're just like thrown right into it. You know, like I'm sitting there, and it's like there's Cobb Vanth. What's going on? Like, that's, I love it when they do that kind of stuff. <laughs> they just catch you right off guard. Um, but no, it was so cool seeing him again. Um, I have to complain. This is a small complaint. Um, his hair is a little shorter than last time and I kind of liked it longer. So, you know, Cobb, grow that out. All right, babe. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> but no, but really, I mean, I honestly don't feel like I had anything that I didn't really like about um, both of these kind of scenes, if you will, that like kind of flanked the episode i guess um i i loved seeing him you know just be his cowboy self even more um him kind of talking to the pikes and you know like you said just such really great western lines you know they'll be you'll be lost forever and you know kind of just having that whole shootout in a little bit better of a capacity because now that i think about it i mean we really didn't have there was like half a second of that when Mando stopped by before the crate dragon showed up. There was like half a second of that like standoff vibe, but I mean, we haven't really seen that with this particular character, which obviously is such a big part of his character, I feel. <laughs> so that was awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love the end. I'm incredibly frustrated with that deputy, like putting, putting my man in danger, but I guess at the end of the day, it worked out because <laughs> he got the brunt of that for sure. <laughs> 
Um, I love seeing more about Freetown. I love seeing subtle things about like the Kray Dragon being, you know, killed. Like seeing um, the rib cage in the like little cantina there. That was such a fun little, like what a weird thing to do. But like also, yeah, props. That's like really fun decor. Um, And I love that we saw more of, which now we have a name after chapter seven. Tanti is his name, the weak Mm way. Um, Love that he had more speaking lines and was kind of an active part of the conversation between um, Din and Cobb. But yeah, I, I, Again, I feel like I keep repeating myself. I don't have anything really negative to say because I liked how it all shook out. I feel like it all made a lot of sense to me. I liked that um, this was the person that the first person that didn't thought to go to. Um, you know, it's clear that he has a relationship with you know Cobb and the people of Freetown. I I and I liked Cobb's stance as well. Like, I mean, I think it made sense for him. Like, ah, oh, well, you know, my people don't want to fight anymore and all this. And I also really enjoyed him standing up to Cabane, even though I was like, please don't do this. Like, as soon as Cabane showed up, I was like, my man's dead. <laughs> my man is gone. Um, but I loved, I loved the conversation, you know, like, like you leave, like this planet's seen enough violence. Like, then yes. you shouldn't have given up your armor. I know he said that, and I was like, I was like, oh no, please no, run, <laughs> run again. That deputy really frustrated the heck out of me. But at the end of the day, I think him interfering. I mean, again, the, the Cad Bane really lit him up. Oh yeah, that was Cad there was no easily, coming back from that. Yeah, that was just a statement. Like Cad easily could have just blown him away with the one he put about five in his oh chest my God. just out of anger <laughs> well i think and i have to wonder if maybe it was like a respect thing kind of with Cobb. like you know again like he like walked up and knew Cobb man's name like like yeah. maybe it was more of like a respect thing that he was like i like kind of respect this guy because like i mean clearly cabin's a good shot right so i mean oh, yeah. did he know he was taking a lethal shot or not who knows i mean and again Cause it, def- it goes right in that shoulder you know what i mean yeah, and Cad's morality is such an interesting thing because he's not opposed to working things out. You know, he says to Boba, like, what do you propose in the next episode? By the way, if everyone's like, is he going to do the slow Cad voice every time? Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's too much fun, and who knows when we'll be able to do it again. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, the, 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 the whole Cad as not just like this classic Lee Van Cleef, good, bad, and the ugly character, but also as this like, grim reapery figure they really make it a point to emphasize that he's old now he walks with a little bit of a hunch it's and pretty good mm-hmm. i like all of that and i like that he is and blythe already brought it up twin sons is the episode i went to immediately absolutely with cad cad is maul here and because he does not think that boba fett is capable of change he sees him like that rat in the desert he see you're just you're always gonna be what you were you're always going to be what I saw you as. And it's characters in Star Wars that can be like, oh, no, I've learned. They're the ones that win because Star Wars is always about continuous improvement. And so for it starts here, even though we don't get their showdown till seven, it starts here because he, that's what he tells Cad. Boba Fett is a cold-blooded killer. Um, Who worked for the Empire. <laughs> worked for the Empire. <laughs> Which is also fun because it doesn't mean that Cad was like, I'm evil. But forget that. I'm not. To working. me, that was such a funny line because it was like you took babies. <laughs> yeah, you've done some horrible stuff. Also, he's kind of helping the Empire in the Bad Batch. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Also, he's, he's trying, to get, trying to get Omega. Um, so that's <laughs> sorry. That whole conversation, I think, sets up a great theme. Um, 
Blythe, what about you for this? What was your favorite thing about the the? Because I know this is not like what your what your Star Wars bag is, but are you? Do you like Cobb Vanth? Do you like Cat? I like Cobb. I like Cobb a lot. Um, Taste. I mean, he's adorable. Like, how can I? He's Timothy Oliphant. Like, I was gonna like him. That's just what was gonna happen. Also, I do like the idea. Like, I do like where he comes in from the comics and using, you know, having the Boba Fett armor. Like, I appreciate what he means and what he represents and who he is. And then he is also like a really fun character and his chemistry with Din is great. Like, I really like him. I was actually a little bit like, you did not just kill Cobb. Like, I was like, he better not be dead. Yep. Of all the characters, he better not be dead. Like, Especially after like the wholesome, like, is that an N1 starfighter? Like, they were having a oh nice my time. God, like, so cute. <laughs> talking about their cars. Just hanging out. Can I buy you a drink? Just, just. Yeah dudes being dudes man i i love him so i did not want him to die i was very excited to see him again cad bane is not my particular favorite by any means um but i like him as kind of like a western baddie character mm-hmm. he it's is perfect. kind of fun like he's a, he's a fun character i do find I, I don't know like i don't i don't i haven't latched on to him the way that a lot of people have like i don't he's just kind of like he's a cool guy and he basically means someone's going to get hurt or die if he shows up, which is an interesting, he is kind of the Grim Reaper. <laughs> something, the Grim, rather, like he is ominous. He means yeah. something bad is coming. I think he might be the scariest bounty hunter in Star Wars. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because there are ones that are fun. There are ones that are silly and there are ones that are cool. Well, pretty much every other bounty hunter gets kind of redeemed. Either redeemed or is a goof, like Forlom, Zuckus, Bosk, yeah. Bengar. I, mean, I think that it really is like Boba Jango or Cad are really the only like and Aura Aura to a point too. I think is pretty intimidating. Ventress, <sighs> yeah, v- Ventress does count. She's Ventress scary. counts, but she gets Embo, kind of redeemed. But I would call Embo more cool than I would say scary. Yeah, like Ventress, but that's like, like the main ones I think of. Like Ventress has kind of a redemption arc, and then yeah. read yeah. Dark Disciple, people. It's very good. Correct. Very good. Um, but That's like sad. Boba, he's learning, he's changing. He's not really a bounty hunter anymore. Din, learning, growing, changing. Like, Cat is the only one who's like, he sticks to his guns. He sticks to who he is. And for better or for worse, that gets him in some interesting situations. But at the end of the day, like, Cad is Cad. And I do think that's fascinating. I like seeing a bad guy who's just kind of a bad guy. I'm okay with it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need a super complex arc for everybody. Like I am fine with him showing up and you know that shit's going to get real. That's a great point, actually. Like, I'm really glad you said that because outside of Palpatine and Grievous, do we really have a lot of that? No. No. Mark Mark Yonroe is currently being horrible across many books and comics, but even then, a little bit of a sad backstory. Um, yeah, I would consider Maul like a true villain, but he's a complex one. Complex, and even he gets a, the the respect and death that he yeah. never got in life yep. um, mm-hmm. from Ben. But that's you know more to Ben's character. But yeah, Cad is just like, like I, I I'm I'm really 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 good at doing horrible things, and I make a ton of money doing it. And like he says in chapter seven, like to not look out for number one is weak sauce. That's a, not an exact quote. Um, but, <laughs> but you, okay, but you didn't do it in the voice? Weak sauce. 
Um, so yeah, uh, I think that there's, yeah, there's a lot of truth to what you both said about this section. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, but unfortunately we cannot move on to chapter seven because there was a third section in this episode and it was the bombing of the sanctuary, which was, I thought really effectively directed in the sense that it did what it needed to do for me as an audience member where I reacted to it at the same time as the characters did. Because when, cool, yeah. Yeah, when they walked out, I was like, well, that was weird. And then when the droid was, was like... like your camp sound, you're like... <gasps> exactly. It got, it got me at the exact right beats. I was like... Because yeah, we're watching this at three in the morning Eastern time. So I'm like, okay, this episode's ending. And then all of a sudden I was like, why did they leave? Oh my God, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was a big... It was a Marjorie Terrell moment, man. Yes. That's yeah, exactly wow. what it was, which that is one of my favorite... <laughs> bits of game of thrones is that episode and that whole moment too when you're putting it together and yeah it's you're putting it together right when they do you're like i'm not gonna lie like feloni's live action directing like i knew he was good at animation he's getting really good at live action he gets better yeah the pacing of this episode like i was a little bit i was the same thing i'm like that's weird way to oh no (laughs) max rebo who was, Max was not okay. We did not see Max Rebo. Not a I, rest in peace drummer droid. He did. Upsetting. I have to say, I was kind of upset about Garza. I'm pretty I'm kind of upset. It. I'm pretty upset about Garza, honestly. Talk about it. Talk because about she it. was such a cool character. We yeah. finally got some really good, like Twi'lek, like characters that are recurring um and amazing. And I, I just think it's a little disappointing, honestly. They have this really cool. A woman character and they killed her and also i think larger issue too the next episode they don't even talk about her like and i know they have you know there's a lot going on i get it but i don't know yeah. the only people that talk about her is mock shays being like i didn't approve that it's like shut up yeah but the, but it's not even coming from a place of like oh garce is dead it's just like oh like don't you're not supposed to you just like, want to look you know. bad exactly exactly and so that to me was disappointing um and I kind of had hope. Part of me was like, well, you know, we see her react and then there's an explosion, but how much time happens between the two? Like, maybe she could get away. I was doing a bunch of, like, <laughs> mental Honestly. gymnastics. Like, maybe she's alive. Doing the Charlie so, Day conspiracy. Like, <laughs> Here's the thing. At Star Wars, they're basically, al- like, they're not, they're not, I don't know. They're never That's dead right. until they're not, until they're alive. Well, and that is incredibly true. That's right, Tori. That's incredibly Tori, true. You say that all the time. Don't forget. I said, no one's dead until you see a body. And even then there's room for negotiation. So you're not wrong. Like we, we saw Tante the Weekway literally say Cobb was gunned down in cold blood. And then Cobb boy Bebop apparently is where we're going to be going with him. Uh, no. Thank you. Thank you. No. Thank you. I do And good night. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... It was a uh, it was a really sad scene. Um, it was devastating. I, I do think that it's um, it's unfortunate to see Garza go out that way, um, especially because Jennifer Beals is such a wonderful performer and so good. You know, to have a woman of color in there um, mm-hmm. in a role that was like, I, I Garza's power, I think, is like in her uniqueness. Like she's a Star Wars character, and we have Star Wars characters that are not active combatants. You know, people like Bale, but this was somebody in the criminal world who never had to draw a weapon. She was a, she was a part of the criminality, but through just being able to be perceptive, like her talking down Chrysanthemum. Just being manipulative. Is my favorite, is one of my favorite her weapons are her words. I know. After yeah. that, I was like, wow, I, I can't wait to see more of her. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling we will. 
clown. I, I would, and the thing about clown, clown emoji, and the I'm thing, of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a sound effect of a clown nose. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that I, you know, to, to Blythe's point, I always tell people, never forget, first time we saw Obi Wan Kenobi, he died. And now 45 years later, he's getting a show and he's been in all this stuff. So it would not surprise me if maybe the Bad Batch shows up to the sanctuary or something uh, in one of their seasons. Uh, He was the character that I like fell in love with forever. And I was like, he literally is in one movie. That was Obi-Wan for me. And then it was like, oh, good. Now I get the prequels. So yeah. He's just dead. Then he's a ghost, and now, now it'll never stop. So, maybe we get young Garza at some point. That'd be really cool. So, we're gonna move into chapter seven in the name of honor. Obviously, we've already discussed some quotes. We've already discussed some overall thoughts. Um, but again, we're gonna break this down um, to the best of our ability. And this is not as much of a sectioned off sort of uh, episode. The biggest sort of breakaways that we get are really just to Mos Eisley, which is just, you know, a city over and is still part of the storyline. And then also um, Peli and Grogu. So just because it is the separate scene, um, before we get into the battle battle, let's talk about um, Grogu arriving in the R2 driven Uber um to Moss Eisley how did you feel about that did you have what I think they wanted you to have which was the Luke is gonna again he's gonna stop he's gonna do this whole fight by himself like what, what did you think was happening there I didn't think Luke was gonna show up again so I was like I thought it was funny though when R2 was there I also did think R5 was probably like, are you, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh yeah. I didn't think about that. R5 was like, time. what a, what a, what a slap to the face. Like, really? This is that, that guy's back. Okay. R2 was like, Hey, long time no see. You're uh, still here, huh? <laughs> yeah, like, R- and we all know that's what R2 is saying. He's oh, like, yeah, absolutely. R2 is, R2 is the sass master. Um, no, I just kind of was like, Oh, cool. Uh, also weirded out because I didn't, I did not think they would resolve that Grogu thing that quickly. I didn't either. I thought that, I, I like, swore to many was, different people yeah. that because it, it felt like it was the perfect marketing opportunity mm-hmm. to promote season three with Grogu's choice. Yeah, every trailer could have had the armor, the lightsaber. That could have been the armor or the lightsaber could have sold the entire season. Yep. Uh, I do think do that this means we'll get some, we have, there's something even better in plan. For in sure. In my opinion. Yeah, like, I, I think I'm that, glad yeah. we're not waiting, but I was weirded out by the fact that I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm glad, but like also, what? So when the X-Wing came over and it was on the scanners, you didn't think it was Luke. Did you have an idea? Did you think it was Carson? Did you think it was um, some other sort of storyline being introduced or you were just sort of, your confusion in the moment made you not even think about it? I just kind of went, oh, oh, I literally was more like, oh, we're doing this now. Okay, yeah. Was my brain. Because, like, that to me meant, like, okay, Luke or someone is here. Like, but I also didn't think Luke was coming back. So I just kind of assumed that maybe it was Grogu back. And I was, like, confused by this whole thing. Because I was like, I did not think we'd be addressing this right now. Yeah. What about you, Tori? Where were you at on that? I mean, I think, you know, there was. (laughs) You had probably (laughs) a moment. A brief moment of, oh, no. My blood pressure was like, pew! I was like, no! Yeah. <laughs> Just because, again, no disrespect to Luke, but 
I was like, man, I really hope that we see a lot of Bobo in this finale. I really well, hope he that all these other... Exactly, exactly. And so when the X-Men showed up, I was like, oh my God, please. But so I honestly love the way it was done. I thought it was kind of funny that you just like, was like, all right, hop into my, my car with R2, I guess. And just, I'll see you later. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, honestly. Um, it's really cute. Um, I, th- that th- I thought that was a really cute way of revealing like what the choice was. That was really, really fun. Pelly, I mean, give what that woman an say? Oscar, you know. What is there to be? Um, I just, I love her so much. I'm so glad we're getting so much time with Pelly. And so it was really, really cute that that happened to be um, the first person to kind of receive Grogu. It was just perfect. Love yeah, that. I think that that's another one of my, probably one of my favorite Pelly lines. I've said this every time she shows up, that Pelly is better every time they use her. Yes, I, I she's really like think more that and more she's just, just cool. yeah, and the humor just increases when she's trying to be cute and like make Grogu happy. And she's like, "Did they teach you how to fly an X wing?" And then you can hear the droids sort of beeping, yes. and she's like, "I know a droid flew it." Like, yes. it's so funny. I died. I know the astrobeck flew the, the ship. Oh, it was so good. Like I um, know how this works. <laughs> yeah, and the. Just her being like, hello, bright eyes. And then... Bright eyes. Grogu. Bright eyes and like, brown eyes. It's a terrible name. I'm not, not going to call you that. that. That felt like a meta moment to it like was. all the fans that still say the child or Baby Yoda. <laughs> or Baby Yoda. Like, I, I say Grogu because that's his name. I put respect on it. I love Grogu. I also just like Grogu. I, I think it's too. great. Grogu is like the perfect name. Like, I don't think they yeah. could have found a better name for him if they tried. I also just um, realized they were parallel. They were kind of paralleling by having him not, like, he didn't get, he wasn't received by the Mando in the same way the Mando went to find him. And he didn't, like, they were, it felt like they were kind of playing on that a little bit. Yeah. Like, it's, it, there's a, there's enough dramatic tension of like, oh, like, will they, oh, no, what if, what if, Something go- terrible happens in the battle and Din agonizing. Leaves. Like, what if Din leaves tattooing before he sees him? Like, yeah, like yeah. that type of stuff for sure. It's a great point. Okay, it's battle time now, and they really don't waste time with it. We never go to the palace in this episode. We're in the sanctuary that is smoldering hot, still metal, still probably burning uh, and melting. And they're there, and it begins with a moment that. I adored, which was Drash saying, you cannot run back to the palace. The fight has to be here. How did you feel about that choice? We'll start with Tori and then we'll throw it over to Blythe. Um, What did you think about the setup for the tension of the battle? No, I love that. And I love that that was part of the conversation because I I do, I really like the mods. You know, we're we're pro mod here. Um, And (laughs) I thought that was really cool and a really cool way to bring them in. And just kind of another step along the way of like Boba kind of understanding and listening to his people. Right. So it just was like a whole, it was, it was a cool moment. I loved it. And I liked, I mean, Drash, that was like, I mean, one of what, at least two times during the episode where she's kind of like, this is my, I've lived here my whole life or, you know, for a very long time. Like I, I know what we need to do and kind of her taking charge. And that was really cool to, to see as well. Um, and I liked that. I liked how receptive Boba was too, because clearly there is growth here happening. Um, yeah. Now, as I know what my thought was, which is a, just a ridiculous thought, but for me, I always think of because I always think of this when I watch action movies, Marvel movies, etc. Right? Mm. I think about what if I lived here? And I'm gonna be real with you. If I lived in Mos Espa, I'd be like, yeah, go fight at the palace. <laughs> Get out of here. I don't want this. We respect um, you. Just go. Just go. <laughs> 
no no but yeah and that's the point right like that's really what this is about it's not about him being a king it's not about him having his you know fancy castle and his fancy meals and all of that no it's about being in the trenches with the people that you are trying to make um a better world for i guess and then uh blythe what about you what did you think about the setup for the battle either with that drash point or with um the lingering threat of cad who had just met with the leadership like how did you think about the the setup of we're gonna do it here in the streets i mean that made sense because yeah boba's clearly trying to be uh one with the people and actually like a good leader on that level as opposed to just like a king who's really out of touch i don't know if i necessarily understand why he's doing that but i get that that's what he's doing so it works um the cad line made me laugh because the what's your angle and he's like says an angle and i'm like i don't okay sure i'm buying it i'm going with it (laughs) whatever (laughs) um like i i was like yeah it makes sense that this is what the story wants to happen i just wish we'd also gotten more development of this um agree overall like the battle is cool the final battle is cool i'm glad you get to see all these people come together and fight i was missing the tuscans i think some tuscans should have been there it's a good point i mean it it does feel like a setup um i love the mods i was i love but i also love them from like i know what the cultural but like they're called mods because they modify themselves but they're also mods and i love it mm-hmm. <laughs> as good. someone as someone who loves like og mod stuff and like ah, love it love the vespas like mm, grew up with that culture in my life like that's just cool for me to see on screen and i love like i love it love it um but yeah for the battle it's like yeah this makes sense everything makes sense for what the show wants me to think so I'm happy. I'm on board with it. They should be fighting in the streets with the people because that's what they're representing as opposed to being at a palace. But also, I do think the people of Mos Espa would have been like, no, no, go away. That sounds great. You should go. <laughs> yeah, you should totally fight this battle, like not here. Yeah, not here, like, though. Go away from here, please. Especially after the Rancor. Like, oh my God. They're probably all like, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, again, like, this is not a criticism, but it is funny that Drash is like, the people here need us. They need our protection. And then Boba's like, but they don't need houses. Smash. (laughs) Smash. Full on. Yeah, yeah. And I love the Rancor. Like, I love the Scorpion. I also am like a sucker for any kind of droid that looks like it will roll into a ball for some reason. Yeah. Oh, these were just like, I know they have their own name, but they're super droidicas. Yeah. They're they're Scorpnecks, but like I was so cool. I love the destroyer droids. Like I love them so much. (laughs) Uh, Though there was a couple times where I was like, "Why does?" Okay, so these droids have a very limited range of motion. Yeah, they can't look up really. The two Mandalorians with with (laughs) jetpacks don't think to try coming from above first. Yeah, yeah, they really did sort of selectively (laughs) use them jetpacks. Think about. Because even if it didn't work, they didn't think about coming from the motion of which the droid cannot get. <laughs> yeah. Dan eventually not... gets it. Eventually. Saying, this that... is not to fully defend them in this, but I'll be honest. If I was in the middle of that, I would be like, I, I don't know. My brain's everywhere. I don't know what to do. And I would be like, I don't want to be hit. I love, <laughs> I love Boba, but I think they're both, uh, they're, they're himbos at this point. You know? would have been the major <laughs> doing domo. their best and they look great. And that's, <laughs> Tori would have been the major demo hiding in a fruit stand <laughs> off to the side. The Malu for- runs. But, yeah, the Malu runs, having a, a big moment as they should. Um, 
Yeah, I just was laughing because so I was like, yeet yourselves into the air. Fly, my boys. Fly. <laughs> Fly, my himbos. I have a minor complaint. This is a very minor complaint. Um, I agree with your sentiment about the Tuscans. And I feel like these are very small oversights, but I think there are things that if they like were added, maybe could have like really, really added to the story. I have an issue. And this is something I keep coming back to. I hate that Cabane did not say anything to Fennec because they know each other. And there was none of that. That has been eating away at me. I hate that he didn't say anything to Fennec when she came out. I think it's also the, it's Boba and Chrysanthemum as well, where for all a first-time viewer knows, this is where they meet. It's it's one of those things where it's like, in the interest of preserving what Blythe touched on earlier, of you can jump in anywhere, they kind of almost have to do it. But I think there could be some fun alluding. You know, yeah, I mean, I don't, the diff. I don't, but I don't think there's anything wrong with just being like, hey, what's up? Or whatever. Oh, no, you know totally. I, mean? I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. Because I don't think you would need to watch The Bad Batch to understand, no. oh, they have a history together. They yeah, know each other. And then, yeah. well, like, clearly, this is leading on you knowing Clone Wars that Cad knows Boba. It's true. leading That's on you true. knowing unproduced Clone Wars, which is even funnier. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I love. But yeah, it's a great I, point, Tori. Like, I, I you know, it, it, even if it was uh, you hiding behind Shand or something, like some small anything, it's a good point. I mean, it's, yeah, it's I, that. I honestly think he would have said something of like, oh, like, probably something to the effect of, oh, Shand, you're really following this guy. Like, or something, yeah. yeah, something snarky. Yeah, and I think part of that is Favreau. Favreau there, nobody, nobody can convince me that Favreau wrote Cobb Vanth or Cad Bane as those characters. Um, and I think that that all comes on the second drafts. Like, I think that what Favreau does is say, do we have a, a cop of any kind? And then Felonian's story group could be like, yeah, actually, there's a marshal in this book. Like, cool, let's use him. Like, do we have a anti-boba fett actually yes we do we have a very bad bounty on her <laughs> here he is great yeah um i actually it's, it's wish they'd used him more i was kind of like sad like when i was watching it i was kind of like i wish he'd come in and like after i honestly wish they had revealed that he killed the tuscans like in that episode and revealed him then and then yeah. used him as a villain throughout as the like show. a through line villain yeah, yeah, I'm shocked he went so quickly. I think that is a little disappointing. I would agree. I think there's, I think there could have been a lot of, uh, a lot there. But I don't know. Some people think he's still alive. He might be. The light I've... theory. <laughs> the light theory reminds me of the oh, when Jon Snow got stabbed to death, his blood kind of looks like a wolf. Like he's coming back. <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, Jon Snow was coming back. I mean, they come back. Long. It's not a lie. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was great talking about him. Um, Let's talk about this scene because, you know, for the listeners, because this is all one big battle this episode, yes. um, it is, these, we're going to have tandems, things are going to blend together. But let's talk about confrontation one with Boba and Cad, which is when Fennec interjects. And I, I like the through line of Fennec always having counsel and opinions throughout the season. Um, and I like that it's a mixture of right and wrong. I like I like when characters are allowed to be wrong. She was wrong about the Gamorians and she was wrong about the mods, but this time she was completely and utterly right of do not fight on his terms. He's trying mm-hmm. to rattle you. It was working and Fennec knew it was working and stepped She's in. She's like, so. you gotta stop. Yeah, so how did, you, how did you feel about this scene of this whole setup of Cad obviously... Because you know, we know that tomorrow is 61, but Boba's only supposed to be in his 40s. Um, Cad being this much older and much more crafty guy, um, baiting him. How did you feel about that? I liked it. 
It's very Western. Yeah. Like I really, I, I appreciate the use of Cad because he was very much a Western villain and I liked the standoff feel of it all. Like they're doing what they want to do well. Yeah. But they really are. Um, Cad is intimidating and Corey Burton does a great voice. And I did, I did like that. And I did like Fennec kind of stepping in and going, Boba, come on, you know what he's doing. And I liked that. It was a good, there's a lot of really great little moments in this episode. Like that, that's a good character beat for Fennec and a good character beat for Cad and who he is. And it shows that he can still affect Boba. Yeah. Tori, how about you? How did you feel sort of seeing your boy almost lose his cool? No, I super agree with everything Blythe just, Blythe just said. Like I, you know, I think it's apparent clearly, you know, I mean, they have that. I love that little dialogue of you've gone soft in your old age super cute um but you know we all do but so i loved that you know clearly we're seeing this growth with boba he's not as confrontational he is a let's talk it out kind of guy um but like you're saying cad bane could still get to him still gets under his skin cad bane's probably like the one person that is going to have that effect on him. And you're right. I like, I like that Fennec has been this steady source of counsel this entire time. Um, and it was cool seeing her be like, hey, you need to bring it on back. <laughs> bring it on back. Because yeah. the time is not now. They would have lost if it had gone down that way. Um, and there were many losses. Let's uh, take a moment to raise a glass. If you don't have a glass, raise a can, raise something to Gamorreans one and two. Oh, I'm so upset. How could they? Devastating. Everybody gets the jump. Now, we had said more than once, uh, we said it with Holly Fry uh, on our episode coverage mm-hmm. that time, that I think we all agreed that at least one of the families was going to turn on the neutrality. I did not expect all three all of them, of them to turn. at the same time. And I like that Din's like, it was the smart move. And Boba's like, yeah, it was. <laughs> like, yeah. The two of them are such like battle hardened guys that they're like, understandable. Like, okay, I understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, that's also one of my favorite scenes. I've said it before. That moment between the two of them, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much character going on. And, and you get this montage of violence and death and they're hunkered down and everything is reaching a this fever pitch and everything and the the battle still really hasn't even popped off this is the pre-battle battle battle. uh (laughs) fennec hasn't gone on her mission yet she saves the mods the gamorians die um chrysanthemum oh my god horror movie happening so i messaged our friend kelly knox about this because it was so funny when fennec is giving the breakdown of who's where i was gonna say who thought it was a good idea in the Trandoshan area. What's going on? Let him. But then I had a thought of actually, it probably probably couldn't be stopped, right? Like I'm sure they were like, okay, uh, assignments and Chrysanthemum just was like, I'll take the control. They were like, um, do you think that's the best idea? And then he probably just stared at them, and they were like, okay. <laughs> that's that's my thought. Also, I was starting to ship Chrysanthemum and Boba. There was a moment he's calling him Santo, and I was like. He's like, he'll get a nice uh, bath in the back to take. And I'm like, sir. Like, Chrysanthemum, I think, has revealed a lot about a lot of people <laughs> this season. A lot of uh, a lot of people questioning things maybe they weren't previously uh, into. <laughs> but he's a handsome-looking guy. My um, thought was just, oh, Boba's into this. And then also, yeah, Chrysanthemum 100% went, yeah, nope, Trandoshan's me. Yeah. He just wrote me. He was so happy standing on that street corner too, hoping that one of them would give him a yeah. reason. Uh, and he had some fight. he had some wonderful kills. Tossing one in the air and then shooting him out of the air was just 
so cool. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so the battle, the battle begins to pop off, and that you know, this is where Boba's poetry happens. The major domo has to go read it. We already discussed it in quotes, and then double jetpack happens, and this is where the core action starts, and but the Freetown uh, townsfolk join, and it has to me some of the most wonderful. Like, yes, the choreography is silly and over the top and bombastic very intentionally. But when you watch, like on a, on a second or third watch, I started to realize the story in the choreography, which I really love. And A, as, you know, these Mandalorians of varying faith levels, you know, Boba's on the Bantha fodder faith level. But they <laughs> they have this, Boba goes down, Din covers. Din goes down, Boba covers. Like, there's okay. such a brotherhood going on. Best Spin friends. around his back. Oh, I got you. Knees. Oh, I got you. Whistling birds. Like, they are just constantly complimenting each other. Um, and I think it's it's so what the show is. It's just like, togetherness is the only way. And it that's what Boba says to Fennec in the flashback that you know the, the strength is in the tribe and i think that that came through oh yeah this is something that's been such a through line with this i this is actually where i think the chapter six stuff matters more is jedi and mandalorians are so antithetical to each other in such a way because mm-hmm. mandalorians family tribe clan everything yeah. that is what they are jedi are not as we discussed like yeah and I think they're really trying to drive home those differences. And also then I think they're going to bring it around to there's a lot more similarities than they realize with the dogma and the Death Watch dogma and Din and yeah. the Jedi dogma. And then you have the Ahsoka 100%. and Boba. It's not a coincidence that the Jedi <laughs> were falling at the same time Mandalore was falling. Nope. You know, you had your great people like Satine, just like you had your great people like Ahsoka. And guess what? Mm-hmm. They both lost. Yep. Um, and both societies were on the both societies got a spanking from the empire at the same time you know? yep. so well, it's like din and luke are the same they're following their dogmas ahsoka and boba are the same they're not following their dogmas but they're respecting their little nephew or uh brother of like okay you you like that i don't but i'll respect that you like that yeah yeah it's a great parallel i really like that <laughs> Um, Tori, how did you feel about about this popping off, leading into the introduction of uh, Tanti and the the Freetonians? Oh, I like that. Oh, I love that. Um, no, I I mean that, like you said, um, and again, I think such a distinctly Robert Rodriguez style, all of the way that it's filmed and the action. And I just, I'm not someone who particularly, I would say, is super attuned to it. If I'm not like making myself really be like, oh, let me like see or analyze what's happening here. But even I, who doesn't really pay attention to these things, like watching it, I was like, this choreography is so cool. The way this is shot is so cool. It really calls attention and compliments the really cool choreography that's happening. And I just, the knee rockets, man. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Those knee rockets, him just like lifting his knee up. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Like, this is so good. The first time it happened, it was already cool. And then he hit the pose. Yeah. Did the no look shot and the knee at the same time. I could not. No. (laughs) I could not believe what I was saying. Like, and that's the thing is like Boba and Din, they're like style and flair. And then, yeah, they definitely are, you know, not really thinking things through, but that's okay because they look so cool (laughs) doing it. Um, But yeah, like you said, they really complimented each other. Uh, There's a gif that I've seen a million times at this point that's, you know, uh, I think like Din's kind of like on the ground, Boba's like kind of like snaking around him and kind of like covering him. Like it was 
it's very cool seeing them interact in general it is super cool seeing them interact and like have each other's back like on the battlefield so to speak like it's such a cool dynamic yeah and i think it's also a uh for those of us that are really hardcore star wars fans that are excited about the future it just tickles my soul to think about what might be down the line because we've gotten teases you know mando season one the the covert fights in navarro Oh, like um, a Mando, Mando two. fight. Yeah. Season two, you get Bow and Casca all saving Din. And then, you know, they all fight on that, that small cruiser. We're going to see eventually the full-on Peter Jackson-esque field battle of all, as many suits as they can fit on a screen. And I think that that is going to be a very cool. Um, Agree. There's gonna Agree. Be that that level battle is going to happen with the Jedi and the Mandalorians. And I'm going to cry. Yeah, it's going to be um, very beautiful and exciting. Um, but just to move us along, we already talked about some favorite quotes. We had a gr- that great Drash moment before Fennec leaves. Fennec, we know, is leaving because of the leadership, uh, and that pays off later, so we'll get to it. Um, the mods, everybody, Chrysanthemum returns, everybody starts to converge upon this one point outside of the sanctuary. Tanti, at this point, says Cobb Vant is dead, which was... Well, it says they shot him in cold blood, which, you know... That's true. Does that yeah. mean that someone's dead? Because well, I feel like maybe the full meaning of that might be lost on me. But I thought that just meant like, oh, they just shot true. him without a thought. They were just like, I think I it was think the phrasing "gunned him down in cold blood" made me think he was gone. Oh no! I mean, they definitely were trying to make you feel yeah. a certain type yeah. of way for sure. Yeah, but it, yeah. it was ambiguous enough phrasing of "gunned him down in cold de- in cold blood, cold dead, in cold dead, <laughs> uh, in cold blood." I think it was intended to make us think one thing or the other. Yeah, so I wanted a surprise to- battle return. I really did. Uh, I thought that was kind of, yeah, because it would have been cool to see him fight with, like, his people a little bit. Yeah, but, uh, so then the the second phase of the battle kicks off, and as if, I did not expect, I didn't expect any, anything more than Pike foot soldiers, but I guess it made sense that, you know, they would show up with some, some technology, they're very wealthy, uh, and they show up with these uh, two giant Scorpion X designed by the great Doug Chang, and they show up, and as if they weren't already terrible, then the shields activate. And that's when our boys go full himbo and start, he wastes his missiles. Just stabbity stabbing. Letting the flamethrower go off. <laughs> it's not working. The only person that gets close is Kersantan. If Kersantan hadn't been knocked down, he would have gotten through. Kersantan was, yeah. Well, that yeah. was why I was like, my first thought, I guess this is why I'm Sabine and not a himbo. Is yeah. that my first thought would have been go up from the top and try to come down with the dark saber brute force because usually those shields are for specific types of weapons. So I would have tried yeah. to go for more of a melee approach. <laughs> yeah, and, but then Din can't even fight with that, and he's like, no. "Our kinetic weapons aren't working, or this aren't working," which is the most George Lucas line of just like a random technological dump in the yeah. middle of the dialogue. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there was like a tweet going around and it was like that and then it was like him being like uh is, is that this a bench seeing stone this is the seeing stone are you seeing are you seeing anything like this is the same person yeah like D- din's expertise and yeah what a Love funny guy boy. but it's like just because you're smart in one way doesn't mean you're smart in another way you oh, know what i mean totally. and that's D- what i love din I weapons love are my religion yeah. so much he's such a himbo and i love everything about him yeah, he, he he really was great in this. I think we all, it's safe to assume, I think that all of us, you know, were engaged viewers when, when Boba says, uh, look after everybody, I'm going to go. And Din goes, you have no friends left, which is a great line. Uh, 
I thought, obviously, I thought that that was Rancor time, you know, so that. I am a fool. I didn't think about it. Oh, you didn't think about it? Oh, so okay. It was a genuine surprise. Oh, that's great. I'm glad it I worked. Thought, I it thought worked. about Tuscans. Yeah. Okay. So the Rancor yeah. was a surprise for me because I was like, Tuscans are coming, right? Yeah, I do. I do really think that uh, that that that's totally valid. Read, um, and then so Bob was gone for about five six minutes of the episode, mm-hmm. and during that is a moment that I I could not have ever predicted. Then <laughs> is running around the corner, and who's coming around the other corner? But Pelimato, who is not running the other way from all of the death and destruction that I'm sure you can clearly hear, who is taking one of those. I, they have a name, but I just call them the space chariots. They're so cute. I love them. Yeah. And this poor, first of all, this poor droid being belittled for not moving fast enough, <laughs> getting stuff thrown at him. Uh, so she comes around the corner and that's when I went into full, like, oh my God, we're doing this now. Because I, when Grogu sits down for those worms that she was feeding him, I thought, okay, cool. This story can sit over here. And then at the end, It'll be the reunion. I did not expect it to happen mid-battle. Did nope. not. Um, Pure chaos. So what was your uh, reaction? We'll start with you, Blythe, about the the introduction of Peli to the battle, giving Peli an active role in the fight, uh, and the comedy and cuteness of the reunion. Honestly, like... The second it saw, I saw it, I was like laughing, but I was also like, oh my God, I get to see my boys back together again. And then like, Dan just being like, what are you doing? What is he doing here? And then the force leap into his arms, oh, which also, Grogu learned how to force jump, but he learned how to do it for his dad. Yeah, that's what got him to really do it. That's so cute. <laughs> like successfully so well was for his dad. Yeah. He was so excited to see him. His dad, who's 20 years younger than he is. Which reminds me, quick aside about chapter six, speaking of funny <laughs> tweets. talk about Order 66. Oh, yeah, well, that was horrifying. Uh, and I am dying, you know, who saved him. But after that, when he has the training remote and the training remote gives him a little zap to the feet, yeah. somebody had that clip and they were like, if Din Djarin saw this, Luke would not be in the sequel. <laughs> is when he like knocks it into the water <laughs> yeah oh straight uh, luke was like we have one of those <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, i get when he was like good job i was like really i feel like that's like expensive that's, a, that's an expensive <laughs> yeah. piece of equipment but so yeah the, the moment is really cute and i love seeing them get back together i love din's just because din the himbo is like wait i don't know what to do my son is here Helly is here she's not supposed to be here my son's not supposed to be here leave oh wait you're wearing the shirt that's the shirt oh my god yeah oh my god now you're wearing my shirt that i gave you oh crap but also leave don't die lovable god how dare he be so lovable that's great it's so funny to me because he is like this really cool bounty hunter in the beginning of chapter five he's like literally just murders a bunch of people but also he's just a sweet dad boy who doesn't understand anything he is he's a goof and pedro you know knowing that you know, th- this was um, obviously made in the COVID time. So if you don't need Pedro, he's not going to be there. And, yeah. You know, so his voice performance is so good. The shock, the surprise, so the joy. Um, well, he carries a pillow. <laughs> yeah, there's the pillows. I love that. I um, love that. 
Tori, how did you feel about uh, the introduction of Pelly and Grogo into the battle? Loved it. I thought there was the per. I mean, like, I had your moment, right? Where you're like, okay, this is probably gonna be an end of the episode thing, like, whatever, you know. But when she showed up, I'm like, you know what? This just makes sense. She would not <laughs> like this, like the, the most chaotic thing possible. Sh- sh- like canon should have happened i guess um i loved watching it because i was watching my boyfriend and he was like you know they're they because again they really play it up right so it's it's you know the suspense of like is grogu there is it grogu there because like yes there's like a bag or a blanket there but you don't see him yet and like is he and so justin's like there's no way there's no way she brought this baby into a battle and i was like oh she totally brought a baby <laughs> into this dangerous situation because i have to you know again you have to be able to hear what's going on at the very least like <laughs> she's just right down into it um i loved it the little force jump beautiful i loved watching i've watched it like a million times at this point um seeing you know mando's on the back and he's shooting and he's ducking and oh and then as soon as she flips that blanket back and is like hey mando look who's here the way his like body language changes like he's just like oh just like almost like shivers a little bit like it's just it's the sweetest thing in the world it's it's so precious i just it's the best and then that dads in star wars are my favorite because also kanan like i just love dads in star wars who are actually good at dadding Yeah, what a concept. Yeah, it's, it's, shout out to Django Fett. Hard life, solid papa. Um, I say I wasn't a Boba fan. I was a huge Django fan during the prequels, though. I was the same way as a kid. I thought that Django was rad. A, because he had an amazing game. And then on the subject of games, Django was my favorite person to play as in Lego. Lego Star Wars, Django. Nice. Rocks. Nice. Um, but yeah, so this goes sideways very quick. The fun times on the space chariot don't last. Everybody flies off. Pelly gets her front tooth knocked out. <laughs> Which that shot of them. <laughs> Midair. <laughs> when he catches them like a football. In the- <laughs> oh, Robert <laughs> Rodriguez. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, they end up on the ground and it just it just goes into even further chaos. Uh I can't remember the exact sequence of events if it's that the Rancor shows up now. No, the um, scorp- because there's a Scorpneck attacking Din and then Grogu That's right, does Grogu the pulls the screw. Yeah, he takes yep. the screw out, which, which I is loved. awesome. And the way that he squeals that. when he catches the... <laughs> yeah, he flies back. <laughs> Fantastic. They've, they they've really taken that puppet to its highest height. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I've never seen... Usually things like stay cute but like lose their cuteness somehow like it's like okay that's cute but every time i see grogu my heart goes "Ah!" yeah like every time it's like it's legitimately like it's almost weird to go back to mando's chapter one and two when we first met this baby when he's just (laughs) in the pram and to think about because back then it was like a novelty if he came out of the pram Mm -hmm. and now it's like he's in it he's making choices and and that's something that we'll talk about with the rancor um a little bit later on is like grogu being no longer a being of instinct but a being of active decisions um which has a lot to do with you know what luke said of he's remembering things more so than anything and um so we'll get to it but we have to have dinosaur time now because this uh <laughs> this was such a it's a mixture of king kong and jurassic you hear the rancor king kong, first uh. Love you hear so the, you see the ridges on its back over the buildings, and then one claw, 
two claws. Like they really just milk it for all it's worth. Um, How'd you battle? With you, because this is your guy. Um, the slow pan up, and then the slow reveal of him on the back of this thing. How did you feel? Just joy, bliss. I don't know if I'll <laughs> ever be that happy again. No, <laughs> no, it was so good. Oh my oh, god, well, let, so let's good. address that off air. it was so exciting it was so cool clearly we knew it was coming right um ah so neat that fun little baby saddle whatever the heck it is that he's (laughs) sitting on which is slightly comical but very good um no i i loved it and i mean just seeing him have the relationship with it again if i had my way i probably would have liked to see a little more danny trejo maybe like a little bit more of a training scenario um but the way that he interacts with it is just like that that's his dad like it's so cute and and I, my favorite part was when uh Rancor lifts up the whatever it is the big mech thing oh, the scorpion and, thank you thank you i can't remember the first part um and uh he kind of like pauses kind of like mm. he's like dad can i uh do and he's like do it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just ever i love it so much i loved it and of course i love i mean like i was full-on cackling when it was on the top of the building doing the king kong like it was i mean it was incredible it was so good um i loved i loved it i loved it so much um yeah yeah it was rad it was really really rad um blythe i want you to open up our hearts and souls for um and for people listening, I'm, I know I'm not going in order. I want to stay on Rancor, and then we'll jump into the duel. I think to end it, um, which I think is appropriate because that's you know that's Boba's time. Um, Rancor is doing Rancor stuff. We're bouncing around. Free towns happening. There's this wonderful. I mentioned it earlier. The wonderful sub 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 storyline um, that only has a couple little scenes, but of Joe and Drash coming to respect each other even though one is from the country and one's from the city um will they date i will say this if i can't be with drash then i approve of joe being with drash i mean they were giving each other some eyes yeah sharing the cycler rifle and you know there was an understanding tensions running high tensions running high blood's boiling it's hot there's two suns Mm -hmm. death everywhere that's this stuff gets steamy but so all this is going on and then pelly's like hey where's the kid yep kid where'd you go and then all (laughs) of a sudden he's in the street and he has seen his dad fail at trying to calm this thing down Mm -hmm. din um which by the way i saw a a post that was like din wrote a blurb once jaren thinking that he can go (laughs) and just ride to help this that cracked and oh my god it like he's getting chewed on he's just the flamethrowering its mouth he's doing horrible which <sighs> din is like the equit- like epitome of can do calc like complex calculus but cannot add two plus two cannot make a sandwich cannot. Cannot. Yeah. yes for sure this man I... will burn water like yeah. he's <laughs> he, he like he he's the one that says stop firing at it it's afraid and then he goes up there and And he's like (laughs) (laughs) which i i was i'm not gonna lie i was on the edge of my seat the entire time solely for the fact that i was like is this rank we're gonna survive this yeah like i was freaked out 
I was freaked out. Some brutal shots. And I have to say, without jumping ahead, but that last part where Cad Bane's like shooting at it when he comes on in and stuff, I was like, is this it? And then part of me was like, it'd be really cool if like Danny Trejo came up and just like decked Cad Bane in the face. Yeah. (laughs) Like I wanted him to be there, like yelling at people and be like, no. It sort of gave me Attack of the Clones flashbacks to when Django kills the Reek. Because Django's able to kill the Reek just by being that good of a shot. And he just shoots it right in the face exactly mm. where it needs to go for a few times. But So Django's um, a better shot than Cat Bane. Which is probably why Cat is glad that he's not around and he gets to pick on his kid. Um, That's fair. But yeah, so Grogu steps out. And I think that those of us that, you know, love this character and, and love, you know, other lore like Rebels, like had a pretty clear idea of what was about to happen, but it did not take away from the joy of it happening. And the fact that, you know, size matters not stayed with him. The, the idea of hearing his dad say like, he's afraid like Grogu in his little 50 year old baby brain is like, Oh, I get afraid sometimes. And Oh, Luke said size matters. Not like, Oh, I, I get it. We both just need a nap is so beautiful. So Blythe, it's about to explode, by the way. Blythe, oh my god, uh, for real. Tell, <laughs> in a great way. <laughs> tell us how you felt during this uh, connection scene. I am like, one of my favorite things of Filoni era Star Wars is the amount of empathy and the amount of empathy for all living things that we see. And mm. I mean, it's been a through line for Star Wars for a long time, but I feel like Filoni just went like, I'm gonna run with it. Especially and with Ezra, yeah. Especially with Ezra. Um, and something I really, really love about this moment for Grogu specifically is we're talking about kid who just goes off and is like, I'm going to eat something and literally gets ice spiders to chase them because he tried to eat it. Uh, like that's who Grogu was, but now. Really his father's son in that way. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's all, yeah. The kitchen now, is real he realizes like there's a deeper thing there's a deeper meaning there's a deeper empathy for things like the frog scene i think is kind of meant to emphasize like where this journey is going and where this is going to come and so he has this moment of i can save my dad and the rancor the rancor is scared and upset it's not bad it's not trying to kill din it's not it's just scared and i know what to do and how to help here because it's like, and in that moment, I felt like it was um, talking to him. It was kind of going, like making, I'm not going to make Rancor grunts on the podcast, but it was making a lot of grunts at Grogu. And it reminded me of when Ahsoka and Grogu were kind of talking silently. Din didn't know what was going on, but they did. Yeah. He and says, is he, case, is he speaking to you? And she's like, in a way. Yeah. Like, and I think that was kind of happening here as Grogu now understands that he now is remembering how to connect with the world around him, open himself back up because mm-hmm. he was so scared, so closed off. So like he literally blocked out his memories from trauma. Yeah. Um, and now he's opening himself up back to the world. He's learning how to connect again. And that's what this represents. It's not just, Hey, nap time. It's him maturing, him realizing that everything else has feelings and concerns the way that he does, the way that mm-hmm. his daddy does. And he can save his dad and not hurt the Rancor. So he goes up, he talks to it, hears the Rancor concerns, and goes, we're both babies. 
let's nap now. And then I squeal because he literally just goes over and plops yeah. down and naps with him. In fact, let's just do it right here in the sand. Like it's just, and the way that he curls like a little, little yeah. puppy. Um, Cause it's, it's so, it's like, the, it's, and it's literally mirroring the mudhorn scene where it's yeah. so originally weird. he just passed out and now he actually yes. makes the choice to just go sleep next to the rancor. Yes. And I'm so glad you said mudhorn because it's an arc. It is a beautiful arc from it's there to here. It's a beautiful arc. The mudhorn is is a response to fear mm-hmm. and it's a physically affect it and let my dad kill it. Problem mm-hmm. solved. Uh, when he chokes out Cara Dune, I think my dad's in danger. Mm-hmm. Trauma response, choker. When the fires of the, of the flame trooper um, or is, what are the inferno troopers coming in, I'm going to block it all. These are all physical actions mm-hmm. that are just taking him over and exhausting him. Mm-hmm. What he got, even though the time with Luke was short, what he took from him was what you're, is what you're talking about. It's, it's mm-hmm. understanding. So now he's, he's making active choices because he could have probably, I don't know if he could have lifted this rancor, but he could have thrown something at the rancor. He could have done anything, you know, anything defensive or offensive. Yep. But when he tries to eat that frog during meditation and Luke says, Grogu, mm-hmm. and he shows him all the frogs, that's mm-hmm. him saying, look at you, you're going to try to eat this one because that's selfish, but like, look at all of its people. Mm-hmm. It's a thing too. That's why he lifts all of them up, and it's also yep. cool. But it and ties he's also in. like, no snack for you still. Yeah, and <laughs> look at well, all these. Also, I can't get can't over eat that. none of them. <laughs> he's also just like, it's also that look at all the frogs. It's also something that kind of entertains him. Like it shows growth. Yeah. It's like learning through fun, but also teaching him like there's like, look a what lot I can more. do, and also it's important. And yeah, and it ties and, in with with Frog Lady and her husband. Of yeah. Yeah, Grogu, like you didn't understand what the egg was, but now look, one of our babies hatched. He has a greater understanding mm-hmm. of the appreciation of life. So he's come so far. And that's the genius of, of that character is with no dialogue. Mm-hmm. This character has gone on a complete arc with his under- appreciation of the natural world, a complete arc with its uh, his use of the force. Um, and in a lot of ways has done, uh, Blythe and I talked about this, Blythe messaged me and I told them that we were, we were on the same wavelength. Like if anyone is ever going to train this baby, if it happens, it should be Ezra yeah. because this is Ezra's core skill set. you know, with the purgle and with, and with the fear knocks and the loft wolves and, and I, all of I genuinely think that Sabine is going to train Din to use the dark saber and that Ezra is going to train Goku. These are things I just, that's the crew I need. Tori, how did you feel about this whole Rancor situation and the way that it went down and your relief of it not dying? Um, Massive relief. And- <laughs> Couldn't even tell you. I was like, this cannot be, I don't even know his name. I still don't know his name. Django. That's upsetting to me. Django. It's not Django. Stop it. It's not Django. Yet to be disproven. Yeah. <laughs> it's too on the nose. I can't do it. Okay. Um, what did Holly call it? Scomp Jack. <laughs> Scomp Jack the Rancor. <laughs> love that that's so good i hope it is that um (laughs) no i it was just again just so pure so sweet so cute um i loved i love seeing like you're saying you know kind of versus a fear response to more of like an understanding um and while i have you know immensely enjoyed a lot of the mandalorian the person who is the creature lover in me 
it sucks to see, you know, the mudhorn die, the crate dragon die, like blah blah blah. Like we do have this trend of just killing these really cool, like massive Giant animals. Spider. Um, that too. I'm upset about that. I know most people aren't, but I'm upset about it. Um, you know, she was just vibing. I'm not a fan of killing uh, animals if it doesn't have to happen, which is why I, I like rebels. <laughs> exactly. But so yeah, At so like Calcestis. <laughs> yeah, I was say, the emotional turmoil that game puts me through but anyway <laughs> um yeah. but so yeah so it was really cool to see this transition in Grogu of like more understanding and ha- commanding you know his powers better and you know again not resulting in the death of a really cool animal um and so yeah I mean what I can't wait and the second it happened I said I cannot wait to watch and look at all of this fan art that people make of just Grogu and the Rancor just just having a little nap time and yeah I just precious precious um and I that for me definitely eased the pain that I felt from chapter six and from Grogu taking up a lot of that time it did feel like it served a pretty good purpose in the end would I have liked for it to be shorter probably but it made it a lot better for me personally so yeah that moment is it's just so good it's so good for the character arc and I love I just the force connects all living things and I love when Star Wars really leans into the fact that you can use the force in such an empathetic and kind way you don't have to be and because Rebels does it all the time like even with the spiders Bender's literally like you don't gotta fight them if you just understand them you don't gotta fight them and if they're not connecting with you it's because of the fear within yourselves and the conflict within yourselves I like your Bender voice that was, that great. was so unintentional. That was great. You can't you can't quote him without it. I mean, the uh, <laughs> you must learn to see things differently now. Um, yeah, I I completely agree with everything that has been said. It's it's one of those things where, again, like Tori, your relationship I think with the show is is emblematic of a lot of I think the show's strengths and flaws, which is like everything given was good but was it balanced as well like you cannot deny unless for some reason you don't like grogu in which case i think you probably shouldn't be allowed to vote are um, you okay but the <laughs> oh my god oh my god <laughs> but the, that's just that's inhumane um but the the content like if you love luke probably gonna be really happy with what you saw if you love grogu probably happy with what you saw is it balanced as well could we have used rancor training? Could we have used a little bit of Tuscan love? Could we have used, um, yes, a, a yes, 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 a little bit more of, of, of a few of these things? Yeah, we could have. Um, and let's just you know, let's hope that the show is supported enough to continue. Um, we're gonna we're gonna pivot out of order again. Two more things to talk about. I know this has been a really long one. Blight, thank you so much for mm-hmm. your time. You're incredible. Thank you for staying up so late because you're on the East Coast. That is true. Um, it is late at this time. And it was uh, agreeing to my work schedule. Oh, oh, please. Happy to have you. Not a problem. So we have two more things to talk about. And and again, in the interest of keeping Boba versus Cad last, we're going to jump over to Moss Eisley and talk about the assassination of uh, everyone, um, (laughs) including the most brutal singular kill in Star Wars, the hanging of Mok Shades. I could not believe. I was like, did that just happen? (laughs) I saw his little feeties, and then I heard his his neck snap. I was people, like, damn, Robert Rodriguez, damn. People have been asking for their R-rated Star Wars, and I'm like, here it is. Yep. Like, it was, it was one thing to see everyone get shot up, but that was just for brutality points. And the fact that Robert did it on the character that he plays is pretty funny. Um, yep. So that's <laughs> a good yeah, point. Yeah, two characters. He's a Trandoshan guy, too. Yeah. The... um. 
Doc, uh, Doc Strassi. I thought that this was, again, it's one of those things where it's like people that are saying, I, I really want a Morphenic in the episode. I could not agree more because I yeah. think that mm-hmm. Morphenic is, frankly, Morphenic should just be in, in general. Yeah. Um, agree. In all things. Um, but if you're going to structure the story in a way where someone has to do the side mission, they delivered hard. Like it was, it was really, really well done. It was a tense scene and it was the payoff of, because again, we, can, we cannot assume everyone has seen Bad Batch. It'd be nice if they did, but we can't assume that. So mm-hmm. all you've been hearing since Toro Calican was going after her is this is a master assassin. This is a master assassin. You do not want to mess with her. It's awful, et cetera, et yep. cetera. We've only mm-hmm. seen her in the context of her being a helping friend. Mm-hmm. This was finally the... This is the master assassin doubts. moment. Yep. <laughs> Have you ever wondered what it would be like? <laughs> so uh, we'll start with Blythe. Blythe, what was your reaction to this uh, this Batman-esque scene? Honestly, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting the level of brutality. Like, uh, yes, obviously, I always want more Ming-Na Wen, but like, she is literally the one who had to do that. Like, there is no other character who had the skill level to do that. And I kind of like, this was her like end of Mando 2 Luke moment. Like, this is her moment to come out and be her baddest-ass self. And it was really cool, but also I was like, did they really just hang? I like Ethorians. Like, I kind of like them. And I felt kind of bad. I was, I was like... Say, yeah, Alden was not having a good time. <laughs> I really like... Because they're usually so sweet and, like, harmless. They're not usually, like, bad guys. And this one's a bad guy. And I was, I was having a hard time with it. He's shaped like a friend. Yeah, remember that? Not anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like shaped like a friend and then hung. And then his little feeties are just dangling. And I was like, <laughs> his little, little three toe feeties, his little feet. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> his feeties are just hanging there. And I was not okay, honestly, because why would you kill an Athorian? Oh my God. That yeah. just felt brutal. They're usually so harmless. It was, it was gnarly. And then the, the stab in the back too on, on like that the last pike fight. deserved that way more mm-hmm. like, it was great hang a, hang a pike don't hang an athorian but no but that's going on a shirt but yeah <laughs> hang uh, a pike don't hang an athorian <laughs> sounds like a country song uh <laughs> <laughs> was that save a horse ride a cowboy and that's exactly what i was thinking of yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> hang a pike don't hang an athorian all right oh my god <laughs> We all know the music of Tatooine is probably some like ban- banjo country backwater type thing. So that makes sense. It's either that or or we know what their new music is like. Fat, bo, 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 bo. I, can, I can't get over the fact that they just added his name to the song. It's yeah. the greatest, simplest they choice. They shout fat at you. And I'm always like, ooh, okay. I want those guys to be like in his personal posse. Just a couple Ren Fair guys with lutes. Yeah, like in the background oh, yeah. playing at all times. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Very necessary. Um, so <laughs> Ludwig, Tor- Tor- Ludwig Goranson is so, so Oh, he's a genius. So good. He's a genius. Other Incredible. genius. So um, Tori, how did you feel about the, the Fennec resolution uh, before we dive into Cad and the ending? Incredibly satisfying. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think you've kind of, y'all have kind of said it all. It was brutal. It was that moment where you can finally see like the full master assassin picture right um and yeah it was just it was very neat and i i really can't help from that 
scenario, I can't help but think about all of the kind of like implications and like what does all of this mean of like, you know, Major Domo doesn't really have an employer anymore. So I feel like he's probably part of the crew now, right? And like thinking about like, you know, you've killed these powerful players. Like, I'm sure that's not going to go over well. What does this mean for the future kind of thing, you know? Him dating Pelly is absolutely canon. Please. Oh, yeah. oh my God, please. <laughs> There's already a fanfic about it. I saw yep. it on the internet. And they babysit Grogu together. Because I can already picture it, like, him at her place. And it's like, he's not used to mess and things. So he's probably like, oh, no. Oh, my God, yes. It's the perfect, yeah, yeah, messy, messy gremlin with, like, tidy. And he's just like, I don't know what to do with this. And then she's like, oh, get over it, sweetheart. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. Or he, like, hurts himself, you know, it's like, the rub some dirt on it, or <laughs> kind of. And he's just horrified. Yeah, that's, yes. Their dynamic, I would watch an entire show of them. He's so high maintenance, and she's so, like, down to earth. I love the whole thing. Yeah, they have a great dynamic. And, and they um, be the new um, Rangers of the Republic. <laughs> yeah, it's just, Rangers used very loosely. It's just these two. Um <laughs> For people that are, I, I have not sought out these episodes yet, but it was pointed out to me that um, in Amy's most recent solo show, At Home with Amy Sedaris, David <laughs> yes. is a character in the show. Um, <laughs> so they, they go back. And a and, uh, friend of the show, my buddy Ken Napsok, told me that if you go all the way back to the 90s, there was a 90s TV show that was the two of them and Stephen Colbert. And that the three oh my of God. them all did stuff together too. And so, That's what? Brilliant. I need yeah. it. Yeah, I've so seen I a clip. That out. I've seen a clip of them on like her more recent show, and yeah, they're just they're magic together. I just never thought that me watching Strangers with Candy as a child would pay off in Star Wars. I mean, it, it is quickly proving that if there's one thing that Favreau is good at, is just picking his random ass friends, uh, and it pays off. Whether it's her, whether it's Bill Burr, um, even Oliphant. You know, being chosen for Cobb Vanth was an obvious pick, but the actor who plays Tanti, W. Earl Brown, is Timothy Oliphant's co-star in Deadwood. Yes. So they come as a pair. And so it's like everybody just picking their friends is quickly uh, quickly working out, and I'm enjoying it. Um, We're going to be nice to those who want to be in Hollywood. Be nice to people. Be, what a concept. What a concept <laughs> there, too. Be friends. Two people that are not friends. It's a cat bait and Boba Fett. Good segue. Thank you. Uh, I try. Very radio at this late hour. This showdown is in a lot of ways exactly what I expected, but also exactly what I needed. The second he showed up on the Rancor, first thing I clocked in my brain was, oh, he has the gaffy stick now. There's the end. Like, that's the ending of this. It's gotta be, yeah. Has to be, because he didn't have it. He got it from the palace. The dialogue, you know, we already touched on it with the, the twin son stuff of, you know, you're a killer. That's all you'll ever be. I've beaten you out on a job before. Don't toy with me. I'm not a boy any longer. It's all this stuff about change. And I just love the way that it went down. I thought it was perfectly executed. Um, it didn't need to be overblown. I think that a, a full-on like shootout would have been too much. It was Cad getting two rounds on him and then trying to go for his head was the perfect villain arrogance of drawing this out. You know, vill- mm-hmm. villains that monologue too much makes me think of the incredibles you got me monologuing if cat had just shot him would have been over but no it's about trying to impart that lesson reminded me a lot of solo with beckett and han you know some people i've I've said and i understand the the conversation of 
did Boba really prove Cad right? Because he did kill him. And I don't, there's a difference between cold-blooded murder and defending the town. At that point, yeah. Cad, like you, you forced his hand and he, he put you down the Tuscan way. Um, didn't have to be this way. You chose that. He's not a, he's not, he's not like you kind of like Batman begins of like, I don't, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Um, yeah. like a lot of Jedi stuff, like from the, from new hope, we've been seeing that like the Jedi are guardians of peace and Obi-Wan introduces the lightsaber as a more elegant weapon. And then he slices off Ponda Baba's arm in, in the cantina. Like it can elegantly kick that ass if it needs to. So <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's how I felt about this. Like, no, it doesn't prove cat right. Um, no, one would say not that. at all. Yeah. So, uh, Tori, I'll start with you because this is the moment at the end of Boba's arc, at least at this part of his arc, the end of this chapter. How did, how did you feel? Exactly. There's going to be more, I hope. Anyway. Um, no, I mean, I really, I just keep the, with this whole scenario, I just kind of keep coming back to that symbolism of it, of it being the gaffy stick of, you know, Cabane saying, you know, you got to look out for yourself and this and that and him using you know, the, the, one of the only remnants of his, you know, him being a part of a community, being a part of a tribe, um, you know, learning and growing with other people and not totally having it be all about him. That is the thing that saves him in the end. And that is the thing that he is able to, you know, put Cad Bane down with and put that part of his past away. Something that's pretty, pretty rad. Absolutely. Blythe, how about you? How do you feel about the, the ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny here at the end? God dang it, that song's gonna be stuck in my head for a week now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool because it reminded me a lot of how Twin Sons is staged with the ball, the battle between absolutely Ball and Obi Wan, which is like it's quick, it's simple, it's over. Even in that moment, Obi Wan's not a cold blooded killer in a ways. Like that's actually kind of set up as he's setting him free. It's a little different, but in this case, it's like, yeah, no, Cad Bane's doing what he or Cad Bane is trying to egg him on. Um, Boba Fett's doing what he needs to do to save the town and is he a cold-blooded killer? He's a killer he's okay with killing feels like it's kind of like where do you fall on this morality line like Boba Fett's always going to be a morally gray character like he's never going to be like the light in the darkness for everything like he might be for this town he might be for parts of Tatooine but he's always going to be okay doing things that are morally probably not the best but like they work for what he needs to do and I think that's, it makes sense. He's not proving Cad Bane right. But yeah. at the end of the day, he's going to do what he needs to do to get, get the job done. Same with yeah. Fennec. Same yeah, with like they, they had to, you know, in that godfather way, take care of all family business. They, yep. yet, you know, it's like the fish rotting metaphor. It has mm-hmm. to, the head has to come off. And Cad was part of that. And he, oh, you know, yeah. part of Star Wars is ending the cycle of violence as much mm-hmm. as it is. Um, sometimes that takes violence, you know, which is the the difficult thing of which is know, like, does it? And then you get it now. Then that was me getting into the Jedi ways of like, does it actually have difficult. to be? Yeah, yeah. it's but, like, does, was there a way to not strike down Maul? Was there a way to not strike down Cad Bane? Was you know, these are difficult things. Um, in the case of Boba Fett and who showing like, I will defend Tatooine to the end, and I will do whatever I have to do to defend Tatooine. We're dealing with some really interesting morally great characters with Din, Fennec. I mean, literally, like, Din, Fennec, and Boba are all killers. Yeah, They I mean, literally kill professionally. Din, in a butcher shop, butchered. Um, not just the Klaatuanian he was there for, but all of his associates. Um, but then at the same time, 
what are you going to do? You let know? them seize the means of production and take the money that they felt they <laughs> They're all sort of in the middle. Like, you're right. Like, Boba Fett is willing to have an entire room of people off because it's in the interest of, of the people. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's, and Bo-Katan is in that group too. Back to the parallels between the Mandalorians and the Jedi, where the Jedi yeah. will not kill. If they can avoid killing, that is something they will really avoid doing. Yeah. Uh, whereas the Mandalorians will do it. And both of them think they're doing whatever they're doing usually is for the better reason or for the greater good in some way. 100%. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. There, if there was a corrupt Mandalorian politician, which there have been, like Almec, um, but if, you know, if they were presented with the same, like, this person is the root of all the evil, they would wipe them out. Mm-hmm. They would not do the Mace Windu thing of you are under arrest. Like, yep. it, you know, they, they're willing to go that extra step. And that's how Django brought him up. So uh, also Django being invoked in this scene, you have your father's blood running through oh, your yeah. veins. Like all that's when that's when you signed your death warrant, buddy. Yep. Is when you said that. Like that's the, oh, that talk was, about my dad. <laughs> that's my dad. Like the end of Jingle All the Way. That's my dad. Yep. <laughs> That's literally, uh, <laughs> Boba Fett is so proud of his dad and I love it. Django Fett is so good. But yeah, no, it is, these Mandalorians also, it's also why they homogenize them. They homogenize, like they murder each other a lot. And that's also why the Jedi win the Mandalorian and Jedi Wars. But it is fascinating because they're really building that Mandalorian Jedi dichotomy right now. 100%. Really building it. 100%. And there's also the, you know, the friction between uh, this continued role that Boba's going to have to do. They take this stroll at the end of the episode. I thought it was a funny and adorable scene um, of Santo getting the, the uh, Milo run. But there's that first hint of that it's not who you think in the back to tank because he says it's being used. You think he means Chrysanthemum and then it's not Chrysanthemum. So we'll get to that in a minute. I want to talk about this little ending with Din and Grogu. I think it's one of Grogu's best comedy moments. Because oh by the, the last tap that he does is so aggressive. <laughs> tap, 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 tap. I love <laughs> like, him so much. Uh, and for him to just want to go fast with their theme music kicking in as a, here we go into season three. Perfect send off, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, and Naboo Starfighter and we're really rewarding us prequel fans. Yeah, with hit, and then Grogu's face, like, uh, thankfully he didn't eat any macaroons this time and throw up on himself. <laughs> I thought that was an adorable scene. Um, and uh, then, uh, Tori, I'll let you talk about um, Cobb Vance's survival and Thundercats uh, modifier potentially turning him into... I mean, I, I can't imagine he's going to need Fennec-level changes. Oh, yeah, that's why... I, Maybe I a cybernetic was... arm? Yeah, that's what I think, yeah. Because, I mean, I really like... I'm not mad to see the modifier again because I think it's such a cool character. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of questions about like the extent because again, you can clearly see it goes into his shoulder unless they say something different happened. But yeah, I feel like maybe like a arm or something and that's probably the extent of it, you know, yeah. but uh, seeing that beautiful man laying there, greatest gift of all. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm glad. It's- There's this, I posted it by now, but there is, Justin took a photo of me. I was like... <laughs> After the episode ended and we saw that, I like went around and I paused it and I was looking at it. I was just like up on the TV, like touching the screen. I was like, he's alive. <laughs> there he is. You turned into a, a, a an old, like an old West widow, like, oh, my stars. <laughs> like, <laughs> I felt like, you know what 
I felt like this is such a weird comparison, but I felt like Arnold Schwarzenegger in um, Bat- what is it? Is it Batman and Robin? No, Batman and Robin. Batman yeah. and Robin, where his wife footage. is in the, is in the fish, just yeah. watching her. That's me. Wow, that was me. What watching a reference Luke. to go out on. <laughs> yeah, I cannot believe we brought in Batman and Robin in this conversation. Oh come on, it's not that hard. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. And then you um, almost killed your guest. Oh my god, are you okay? Like, don't die. Not for this. <laughs> Not for the Batman at, and Robin. Robert. At least for something else. Um, does anybody have any predictions they want to voice before we get out of here? Because it's been such a long one. I mean, I've already predicted that. I, I have a feeling Sabine is going to be the one to show Din how to use that dark saber. And I have a Fair. feeling Ezra's going to help train Grogu. And I am... I could be wrong. I'm happy to be wrong because... You know, I've been proven wrong a couple times, and whatever they seem to do, I seem to like better than what I thought. So, hey, not going to be mad at whatever they do, but these are my predictions. Tori, what's next for Boba Fett? I mean, I would love a season two. I would love for him to, you know, or show up elsewhere, I guess, but I would really like a season two. I feel like, you know, as you kind of said, like winning, kind of winning the battle versus like actual ruling, like there's a difference there. Um, I can't help but feel like there's just so much more to the story at this point and you know Fennec killing all of those big leaders that can't possibly you know and I do have to say this is something that maybe I, in the context of the moment I got a little excited and maybe he was referring to something a little less direct but in that first meeting or that first shot of all of the leaders in Moss Eisley Makshai says something to the effect of like I have to respond to them or something. And I wonder what that's about. Was that a direct reference to the response the response to like the bombing of the sanctuary? I just feel like the way that he said it, the pikes were in the room. So why would he talk in that way, if that makes sense? Like, I don't know. I'm like, is there someone else hanging out? Kira Watch. Continues. I mean, listen, Kira Watch will always continue, okay? Let's be honest. Kira Watch. Kira Watch will always continue. Oh, for seven this season, but keep going. I thought he was talking about like responding to people or con- constituents or like he has to show, like he can't. Yeah, and that's, that's what he's talking about. Maybe it's wishful thinking on my part, but that's it. Anyway. I still feel like there's a lot of things can be set in motion just from that one scene alone of fun of killing all of them. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my hopes. Those are my dreams. Um, you know, again, I would like to think that, you know, them having, you know, Cobb Vance still alive, maybe he comes into play a little bit more with Boba's story. That would be super cool. Yeah. Um, again, maybe these are things that are just done for fun. Um, but, you know, I'm hopeful there's another season because I think there's a lot more to be done here with these amazing characters and incredible actors too. You know, like I just want more Tamura. I want more Ming Nguyen. Like they deserve it. You know, they're so good. Um, So yeah, I don't know about actual predictions though. I feel like it could go anywhere. I feel like it's anyone's game at this point. You know, I just realized there's a really good opportunity for Sabine's uh, friend whose name I'm blanking on right now. Who's voiced by Gina Torres. Ketsu. Yes yes this is like the perfect thing she could show up in this because all this underworld crime stuff is her world absolutely a good connector Mm -mm. i yeah i I echo so much of what you both just said i agree you know Blythe, everything that you said about the training i think spot on and and tori to your point about what needs to be expanded in terms of like the ruling and leadership and the characters that are still around i would love to see where characters like you know, Drash and Scad go under his leadership, how they grow and mature. I would like to see um, Cobb. I think, I also think that whether Boba thinks it's bad the fodder or not, I do think he will be roped into the overall conflict. And I think that 
it would be really neat if like Fennec or Cobb Vanth w- was given the daimyo ship in his stead like if he went to Mandalore <laughs> to yeah to help because I think that the I think Din will call on him and it'll be a on the house on the house because I helped you secure Tatooine cashing in that favor baby Cash, now now I need an I need a favor and maybe Boba will resist it but then I think that the key is your dad was a foundling exactly like mm-hmm. I know you don't care but mm-hmm. he would and even though Django spent most of his life in the criminal world he was a foundling and he did fight in the Mandalorian civil wars and I think that that will motivate Boba to be like ah, fine I'll go help it I'm also just like, are we, I don't, why do I have this like weird feeling that we're building to some kind of Jedi Mandalorian conflict? I mean, I think that there's something to be said for that. And I could totally see someone like, like imagine Luke Skywalker fighting the armorer or something like that, because she cannot be a fan. Um, And she's not a fan. And that storyline is still, I've said it before, he left way too peacefully. I think the armor and Paz are keeping tabs now. I think Bo-Katan, I think Bo-Katan and the armor are going to fight. That's what I want. That's my new uh, Clegane Bowl style campaign. I mean, I think we're definitely building to more. Beskar Bowl. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Paint my face. (laughs) get, get Get a beer hat. Didn't get my toothpick bowl. I'll never forgive. Oh, that's true. You didn't get toothpick bowl. Well, you might Between get toothpick Between Cad Bane and Crosshair. You might get it still. I mean, there's there's still a season. Uh, still another season coming. Yeah, there's um, still more Cad Bane in our futures with Bad Batch. Yep. And uh, and hopefully more more wonderful Corey Burton line deliveries from me to quote like this. Um, with that, everybody, it's been I want him to say weeks week sauce. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a ride, everyone. We have covered two episodes in one. I said up top that we're gonna do our best to not do a double length, and we kind of we kind of ended up doing one. So, Blythe, thank you for your time again. Seriously, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, don't yeah. just be nice. Like I know that we took a lot of your time. Uh, we we went deep on this one, and uh, for full full disclosure for people that don't know. This is the third time that Tori has discussed this, I'm pretty sure. Maybe second time. Second time for the finale, second time for six. Um, you've you've covered both of these more than once, is what I'm saying. Oh. Uh, and so you've you've probably ever been repeating yourself a lot. Uh, this is the second time I've covered it. So in various, you know, shows and 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 people in the space that we collaborate with. So it's it's been a lot, but I feel like every time I've talked about this, we've hit on new things, which is absolutely uh, yeah, you always yeah. do. Oh which yeah. Which is exciting. So Blythe. My friend, tell everybody where they can find you and, and what you're up to. Uh, yeah, I am literally all over the interwebs as Blythe Call in 93. That's B-L-Y-T-H-E-K-A-L-A-9-3. Um, I talk a lot about Star Wars on Twitter. Uh, I have an entire rant about the Force and the uses of the Force that when I purged a lot of my Twitter, I had to save because I'm still so proud of that. Um <laughs> Then uh, what else do I do? I'm over on Happy Jack's RPG playing tabletop RPGs on every other Sunday. We are playing in basically what is the gayest version of the mummy possible. Nice. Gay (laughs) Gay mummy mummy. is a pitch. That's a good pitch. It is um, five lesbians and and their one son, Barry. That's basically it. Uh, And then, um, God, 
I am going to be on another podcast. I'm going to be on the triads of the force at some point as well. Ah, they invited me. They're amazing. They're so fun. Yay. Uh, to talk about rebels because I love rebels. And if you follow me, I talk about rebels. I love rebels. I named my dog chopper. Um, yeah, that's kind of everything I'm doing. I'm hoping to make, I don't want to jinx it. Please send me good vibes. There is something happening that could be like the best thing ever. And I just need, I need good vibes. I need it. Sending life changing, life changing things could happen. Oh, yes. The force. Send good with vibes. Life color. That's exciting. We'll talk about it off air. Um, yeah. You talk first. I'll go. I'll, I'll, first. go. I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can find me um, at the Mandatorian on Twitter and Instagram. That's the Mandalorian with a T instead of the L. Um, you can check out clearly. Please subscribe to the Octo Radio feed. You can check out more episodes of the Mandatory and Creed on that feed, as well as Alden's awesome main Octo Radio show. Um, and then rewatch Between Worlds with our friend Nikki. Yeah. Uh, and you can find yeah. me personally on Twitter and Instagram at that Alden Diaz. You know how to spell that T H A T A L D E N D I A Z. Um, that is where I tweet copiously, talk about Star Wars, talk about. Dua Lipa. Uh, also on the One and Done Film Club podcast, which will be back soon. Obviously, this has been a weird couple of years for everybody. Um, and there's lots of personal stuff going on. So if things are ever on hold, there's probably a good reason for it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, writing um, different places, trying to, trying to get back out there um, creatively and have some projects in the works and some things that I'm kicking around. Um, but yeah, hit me up if you ever want to talk about Star Wars, if you ever want to talk about Marvel, DC, Peacemaker, anything that's happening right now, I'm probably having an opinion on it. Um, and then for the Octo Radio shows, um, we have uh, Daniel Jose Older is next on the show. We're talking about Yay. Midnight Horizon. And, yeah, he's the best. This is the third time he's been on. He's the best. Great friend of the show. Great friend overall. Um, and everything that is going on with Higher Public. Um, we have coming up this month, um, connecting with Amanda Works. Amanda Works is going to be coming on the show. Um, and there's there's a few other interviews um, that are in the works. And it's exciting times. So, Tori, why don't you remind them all about what your creed is? Fly, well, thank you so much again for joining us and giving us your time. It's been really awesome meeting and speaking with you. Um, but yes, until next time, drink some water, don't trust the government, and always ask yourself, what would Sai Soodles do? Bye. <laughs> I've heard your voice thousands of times. Mine might be the last one you hear.